Hello, uh, and welcome back, everyone, to uh, the Criterion Deep Dives. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Mike Mullaney. Um, and joining me today, returning uh, for the first time in a long time, is uh, Dalton Lee. Hello, Dalton. What's up, Mike? How's it going? It's going well, man. I am very glad to be back. I'm very excited about this episode. I, uh, I've been longing to be back on this pod. Yeah, you may you may remember Dalton from uh, our discussion of The Wicker Man, uh, a film that I just keep meaning to rewatch because I just adored it so much. Um, however, you know, I uh, Dalton and I hang out and chat about movies a lot, and uh, Dalton had something else that he wanted to do, um, which was uh, you know he watched this film Chunking Express, and he said, "Oh, you know, there's this." Um, there's this movie on the Criterion that I really enjoyed. You should check it out. And then, you know, all this stuff was sprouting up like all over Twitter and um, specifically on the Criterion Deep Dives Twitter account that I manage um, about this director, Wong Kar Wai, who I, I had never seen any of his films, but they're like, oh, they're all like, they're all getting restored. Everybody's watching them. Like, <laughs> check this guy out. And that was that was basically what Dalton said to me as well. He was like, hey, we got to do the Criterion Collection is releasing this DVD box set uh, this week. Uh, and Dalton, you know, a couple months ago was like, hey, we got to talk about these movies at some point. So we have watched uh, all seven films on the box set, uh, all seven of these films by this uh, director, Wong Kar Wai. Uh, he's a director from Hong Kong. And uh, man, what an experience. Dude, what an experience. Yeah. What an experience. I like... Like you said, I came to this from a coworker just recommending Chunking Express to me. And she was like, I feel like you would absolutely love this movie. Mm. And I had seen, uh, after you had given me your criteria and stuff, I, I, I peruse a lot on like the top 10 list, which for people who don't know a lot about it, there'll be like a lot of very famous actors, directors, writers, just everybody that works in like film, sometimes not even film will make these top 10 lists for criterion and, and um he's just all over them man like yeah like more than like the only person i really see more on these top 10 lists is cassavetes but um like i i recognize yeah, another, the name that's another gap in my film scholarship right there also great stuff you gotta dive in man yeah um i got a, i got a couple on the the criterion watch list so you know but uh but yeah so i watched chunking and i was like blown away by it and i watched it a second time and then i just like decided like oh i'm going i'm going all in on this <laughs> and that's when i just started cranking through his movies and uh was very excited to tell you about him once we once we got there yeah i definitely noticed people just talking i think and i think this is like a great uh point about kind of like the influence that the criterion both the the collection and the channel has over like the film world is that I feel like they um, announced they were doing these restorations and then they announced the box set. And like, I feel like for the past half year or so, um, uh, I've just seen so much about these films. Also, I think part of that too, is that like, um, just in general, people have been watching more movies, I think, and sort of like diving into areas that they haven't. And like lots of people, like Letterboxd has gotten more mainstream. So people are like on there and like sharing, you know, like, this idea of like you know critically acclaimed films and and people trying to find new movies like that so 
um, I definitely felt like a groundswell, like kept seeing this dude's name pop up. So I hadn't um... seen any of the movies, but when you told me about it, I was like, yeah, definitely. Like, I want to like, like I could tell you like five or six of those movies by name just because I've like seen it so much. So like, I want to check it all out. And it, and another thing that was cool too, is I felt like with the, and, and he has, he has 10 films. Uh, he has a couple others that I haven't watched. I don't know if you've seen any of them, but like, um, these are kind of the seven on the box set. And like, I think for a reason, um, and it felt like an accessible filmography too, that you could actually watch the whole thing and not like, not like, okay, I'm going to take on like all of Steven Spielberg's films or something like that, where you're like, <laughs> where you're just overwhelmed with, you know, quantity. So. So I've seen only, I've seen only one other of his films and that's, um, I can't remember if he directed Hero or Grandmaster, but it's he Grand did. Master. It's Grandmaster. So I saw this when I was young, like yeah. a kid, like just on like TBS or something. Like when it um, came out. You mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. much about it. Cause but... you weren't that young. It came out in 2013. Yeah. Well, I guess, Oh, that came out that late. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking, I might just be thinking of Hero. Hero, the television show no, on no, NBC. No, no. It's um, I think it's like another Jet Li movie. Oh, okay. Um, so I might be confusing them. So I may not have actually seen Grandmaster. I think I've seen Grandmaster too, but I would just watched it like, um, not knowing anything. I was just like, it was one of those things where um, I just heard about it, and I think it was like streaming on Netflix, and I was just like, I'm just gonna watch this movie, and I didn't retain anything. But it's about yeah, it, it's about it, man. So. I don't yeah. think that you would pick up on a lot. It, I think that the reason these seven are in it is because these are his like actual Hong Kong films. I think the other three are like American films, technically. Yeah, I think um, I think Ashes of Time is a uh, is not an American film, but it might be a mainly a Chinese production. Okay, um, but it also falls a little bit outside of the main core of his films in being this sort of um, uh, martial arts ancient chinese epic um but it sounds like it's a good movie i definitely want to check it out um i was gonna try to cram the other films in uh before we did this and then i was like i'm gonna save a little treat for a little postscript yeah i would like to i would like to go into those without having to think about talking about them or anything yeah uh yeah. just like enjoy them because I, I don't know that they're as as good seemingly i'm just looking at it and watching the trailer, I'm fairly certain that the American film with Jude Law and Rachel Weisz uh, <laughs> isn't very successful. Yeah, I don't think what's that one's called. It's like called Blueberry. It's called My Blueberry Nights. Which yeah, is that's just, what it is. <laughs> and that's not even like a mistranslation because there's there's different names for these films, obviously in Cantonese. Um, yeah. And like the the tra- the direct translations, and then they have their sort of like Western titles. Uh, it's my blueberry nights for both of those languages. So um, that's that's uh, just a, the name of the movie. What a goofy title! I uh, so I realized I didn't realize that. Uh, so this this box set is gaining like a lot of traction, and a lot of people are finding out about it, like you said. Mm-hmm. But I guess that there's a lot of people that are a little upset about the restorations and stuff because he's kind of Spielberging some things and like changing scenes. Like I know he's. Mm. I don't know which scene it is, but I know he's using like a completely different take for one of the scenes in Chunking Express. Does Spielberg and do that, or are you talking? Are you talking about Lucas? I meant Lucas. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I meant. I meant like just, the Star just Wars. Just his films. Yeah. <laughs> I meant the Star Wars situation. Yeah. He like 
he's changing one of the scenes in Chunking Express, which feels insane. Yeah, yeah, that does. Um, um, so a lot of people are upset about it, but I, like at the end of the day, they are his movies, so he can kind of do whatever he wants to. So this this brings up like something really interesting in in reading uh, about him and some interviews that he had about his films, where he's going into detail about the plots and the scripts that he had. And one notable thing about Wong Kar Wai uh, that came to define, especially like after his initial first or second film, um, he got really accustomed to working where he basically writes his scripts like the day of or the day before like the lines for the actors and um stuff is kind of shot on the fly like chunking express seemed like the first movie basically where they started just shooting on location without permits in the streets of hong kong and just like moving quickly because he was mired in this ashes of time production and uh basically didn't want to get stuck like in this long production again. He was like, I want to make a movie. Like we're going to do a student film basically. So um, he describes all these things he wanted to do with different movies, but he also on several occasions was like running up against film festival deadlines. So for the case of uh, in the mood for love, he had like a whole totally different ending, like a third part to the film that he is still like in talking about it in this interview is like, yeah, I, I, that's still the movie in my mind. Like I want to do that. Um, but he just like, didn't have time to film it. He's like, okay, cool. It's fine. Like this movie's over. And the ending of the film is basically like they hook up and he turns into, he's like, you're a slut. And he like turns into this malicious dude. And it's like, what? That sounds, <laughs> that sounds awful. Like that's the movie that you wanted to make. So it's really interesting to read about that. And he's just like, he's like, that's just how filmmaking goes. Like, stuff comes up and you don't always have total control over it. And I try to embrace that, which is really interesting. And you can definitely see reflected in a lot of these movies and some of the decisions that are made, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And he, I think he's just like a straight up like chaotic filmmaker, man. I think that Chunking Express was shot over like 30 weeks. And then In the Mood for Love was like even more than that. And Chunking Express was originally supposed to be three parts as well. Um, I don't know if you read anything about that, but Fallen yeah. Angels was the third part of Chunking Express. Like it was supposed to be three different stories. Right. And he ended up just turning it into a whole new movie because it was just like, I, I mean, I, I don't know where he would have added it in because Chunking Express is right. already like an hour 45. So it would have just ended up being like a, an epic. But well, and I also read that the My Blueberry Nights movie, like the basic yeah, the plot there was supposed to be another story as a part of this collection of like Hong Kong in the 90s films. Like essentially with Chungking Express, his goal was to capture what Hong Kong was like basically before the Chinese handover in 1997. So they mm -hmm. wanted to show the streets. They wanted to show like, he wanted to show like where he grew up. Like the the first half of the film with um the the woman and the Indian drug smugglers, it takes place in the Chunking mansions. And that's like mm -hmm. where he grew up or where he spent um, a lot of time growing up. So um, he, I think he just wanted to capture that. And like, that was, it was kind of this idea of like all these stories. So like it's something that, something that like just in the nineties obviously would be a film, but like today you'd have something like that and they just turn that into a TV series. You know what I mean? Like it would be like, Oh a, yeah, definitely. Like, like one thing that I thought of with, with chunking and fallen angels, because they both kind of have that, like, like du dual structure of like two different stories. I'm like, this is just like um, 
a high maintenance episode like split into it's just like two different <laughs> stories you just switch over and like there's a little bit of crossover at some points right like there's a couple things in chunking where they kind of like merge over and like have those little connections but um you know mostly they're just like pretty separate stories so um it was it was ahead of its time in that way but also I do think like if that was being made today, like he's currently his next film did get turned that he's trying to work on is getting turned into a TV show. So a TV series. So, I mean, the way he can like really structure and make an impactful like story in a shorter amount of time, it, it makes sense that he would move into TV to try. Yeah. Like if, if Chunking Express and Fallen Angels just, as is came out today as like a four part mini series, they would be worshipped. Like they would be like, yeah. everybody like, this is the greatest shit that's ever come out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um oh, uh, you know, a little bit more about him, like just in terms of his background, because I think it informs a lot of what's happening in the films. Like he he was born in in Shanghai in uh, 1958, but then uh he immigrated to Hong Kong with his family uh, in 1963. And uh, there was a, a part of like a lot of people um, from China uh, immigrating and leaving because essentially, uh, you know, there everything that was happening with the cultural revolution and these waves of immigration. So, um, but what I found out about him and his family that was really interesting is that uh, he his family could only take one child, like that was the law at the time. So his older brother and sister were left behind in Shanghai. And um, he didn't meet them until like, or like reconnect with him until like 10 years later. Um, and his, uh, do you remember uh, like from the beginning of uh, Three Body Problem, how uh, the <laughs> the main character, she um, she's sent to the, like out in the woods to work or whatever, as a part yeah. of the like government's um, back to the country uh, thing. Basically they had like overcrowding in cities and they were making this initiative to like give people jobs in the countryside. And um, basically the same thing happened to Wong Kar Wai's sister. Um, but his older brother was like that, like, fuck that. I don't want that to happen to her. So he like went in her place and he basically like sacrificed his career for that. So um, it's once again, I think it like points to a lot of the hard decisions that were made in China, like over the past century, half century, um, some of the definitely ups and downs of like government policy and, I think that you could read a lot into that like breakup of his family and like his dad was a sailor and would be gone for months at a time and show up. And he was really close to his mother. In fact, he, um, he went to the cinema like every day with her, like that was her passion was like Western films. And he, he basically, you know, is quoted as saying like, yeah, my mother was like the biggest influence on my films. And she was my film school because they would just like go every day after, after he got her from school, which is like, just it's just like a perfect little origin story right you just see him like snacking on some popcorn like <laughs> every day just like learning cinema like um but the part of once again like in chunking express and some of these movies like the part of hong kong that uh he wanted to document was the shanghainese community that he grew up in and so like a lot of those things bleed into the movies like um the characters playing mahjong in uh in in the mood for love and like the landlords and that that was like basically taken from his mother and stuff like that so um a lot of you know a lot of that personal history and sort of like hong kong history once again thinking about this 
um, handover in 1997 and like the uncertainty of what the country was going to turn into um, is pretty present in his films, even though, you know, in general, they're like not very political. Like they don't, they don't talk about politics head on almost at all. Yeah. And he, wow, that's like, I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't only did like film research. I didn't look into his background at all, but that's so informing on so much of his films. <laughs> um, and he, he explicitly says that he doesn't like do political films, but you yeah. can like, like knowing that you can see the undertones in some of these films where he's like, he's not necessarily like speaking to the problems, but he's like highlighting the stuff that he loved that was probably taken away from him yeah um and like the family dynamics and everything just go into like just about like we don't need to dive into it already but like all of his themes like like you can just like if that's his family situation you can see like why yeah. so much so much of his movie is about like longing and love and loneliness yeah and i mean once again i think like documents that hong kong is such an interesting place it's a, it has a fascinating history and obviously a country of a lot of immigrants and barely a con I mean, it's a, it's like a city state in the sense that it is a small, it's like the fourth most densely populated country in the world or whatever. But, and then it's also basically under Chinese rule at the same time. I mean, everything that's happening today with the protests in Hong Kong is a direct result of uh, China exerting more control. And mm -hmm. basically those two, uh, those two sovereign nations having, really different politics and really different like culture and everything. I mean, Hong Kong with a much more integrated westernized culture um, coming from the British and having like having much more access to like uh, Western culture and everything like that. So, um, but yeah, like, like one of the things I was thinking about with, with that is like the character um, Leslie Chung's character in days of being wild, who um, doesn't know his mother right mm -hmm. growing up and that yeah. that is his search at the end of the movie is um his aunt finally tells him who his mother is and he goes to the philippines to try to find her and um once again i think like just like people with families broken up not just over asia but all over and um and and yeah you can you can just see like those those ideas of like belonging and identity and and, and like what it means to be from a certain community are, are kind of all over the place especially like especially too in like uh, his first film as tears go by, like the idea of these people, there's a lot of talk about like, um, about like how it's hard to make it in the city and like, you should go back to the country and um, belonging to this, uh, this gangster group and family that they're in. Um, uh, definitely, you know, definitely finds a way in there. So. It absolutely does. And I don't like, I mean, I just like, I don't think that's stuff you ever shake off and not like he wasn't necessarily abandoned by his family, but he was forced away from them. And this is like a, this is something I've seen firsthand because my stepdad was adopted and he like tried many times throughout his life to find his real mom and like wanted to know like why he was put up for adoption. And, um, you kind of like you could tell that like he never really gave up on it but he would give up on it for spurts and then she like he, they just ended up reconnecting within the past couple years and you can see like how much it just like lights him up to be like this is my mom yeah <laughs> like, yeah just like that like longing for like just 
the person who brought you into this world to, to, to like be in your life again is is absolutely crazy and i mean like you see it a lot in um so with like his father being gone and stuff you there's like the the point in fallen angels where uh the the guy the one of the main characters who's played by um takashi Kaneshiro. Kaneshiro, yeah yeah he uh where he like doesn't talk but he like loves his dad and yeah. oh my god um the way that they like connect without like speaking to each other really and you can see that like probably that longing to like have that sort of relationship with his father who is gone from seemingly a lot of his life yes yeah another thing well well first of all just that that sequence in fallen angels when he first gets the video camera and he starts filming his dad is like i think that was my favorite sequence in the in like all of the movies we watch like it's just done it's so playful and it reminds me so much of like all these videos we've seen on like social media, TikTok, Instagram, whatever of like people in COVID, like going back home and living with their parents and just like filming their parents, like having nothing to do. And like, they're like, my parents are going to make me go viral. Like, I'm just going to film everything they do. And that's, that's like what this character does in the movie. And um, just, just films his father the whole time. And then like, after his dad dies, he's just watching the movies and it's like, super touching i think it's like the most sentimental that any of these movies gets oh for sure it's absolutely like gorgeous it Mm -hmm. uh it's one of if not my favorite sequences in all these movies as well and just the way and like in the in between his father dying and him watching them his he's like secretly watches his father just watch them over and over again and like oh yeah Yeah. and go like what a silly boy even though Mm -hmm. when he's recording him his father's like getting like playfully mad and annoyed and telling him telling him to go away but it's just like so whimsical and fun and it's like the first time you see this character actually doing something nice that he enjoys and yeah being like kind of a a nutcase that's another crazy thing about that film is that like once again to this point of him writing these movies on the fly like um that character of of his dad was just kind of added in last minute um based on the guy of where they were shooting like i forget it was i forget if it was actually the guy the real guy like the the guy who owned the hotel where they were staying or whatever or if if it was based on that but they basically like they were like oh like they these two got really close and then he's like i'm gonna put him in the film as his father and then like that kind of becomes a centerpiece of that movie you know what i mean and it's it's just one of those random coincidences where it's like yeah if that wasn't in there then um it wouldn't necessarily work. And um, so, yeah, so, but, so I wanted to ask you, like, what, when you first, so you said you first watched Chunking, you just came across it, and then uh, you watched it again, and you're like, I'm going to watch all of his movies. So, Mm -hmm. like, I I know we've talked about it a little bit already, but, like, what would you say jumped out about his movies to you in the first place that, like, kind of got you hooked? Oh, boy a lot <laughs> you want you want how much time you got okay here, no, here uh, okay um so these like oh these movies are such like like a visual feast in a way that like i i don't know the technical terms to describe it very but, like, very 90s very 90s. very very 90s but like the way that he uses color and like the shots where he's like he's so obviously obsessed with slow-mo but um one of the like signature shots you see a lot in chunking is where 
these main characters will will be moving in slow-mo and everything else blurs around him like mm-hmm. i don't know if there's like any type of technical name for that but it like the first time i saw that like i think i gasped like i was like what yeah <laughs> like, it was just like so so beautiful and moving and like so you have this like visual masterpiece paired with really really moving stories that are obsessed with love and longing and connection not even like it doesn't have to be real like romantic um mm-hmm. when you think of like uh which and so it? much of it is i think a key part too that I, that i should mention or we should talk about is that so much of it is kind of unspoken like it's not like done in like a romance type way where it's like people like just like it, it's not like a romantic film or a romantic comedy or anything like that it's a lot that's that's left unspoken and, and done visually or done in other ways, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, like I said, it was, it, it's not even romantic every time, like in, as tears go by, it's truly just like two friends or, or yeah. I don't know if they're like cousins or brothers, but yeah, um, it's something, there's some sort of familial, I think they're cousins or I think they might actually be brothers. It's, it's, I forget because that was the first one I watched. So it's been, a I, now, but I remember them being brothers. Yeah. But it's like his it's, cousin. His cousin's also in the film. Yes, that, well, that's we, a, we, we can a... get there. <laughs> um, but it's just like he's so obsessed with with love, and so much of his films like live in the moment where um, I think like a lot of people can probably relate to this, where you might like brush by somebody that you know you like, mm-hmm. and you like both know that you mutually like each other, but you're just like kind of like bumping into each other in a moment, yeah. like. The entire the entirety of his movies will live in that moment where you're just like feeling this tension of like of like needing to say something but not being able to say it or not wanting to say it. Yeah, it's like grade school flirtation. Like yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which, as and, you find out as you get older, uh, continues, right? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. <laughs> um, but so yeah, and then like I guess another big standout is like the way that he captures a city like obviously we do not live in hong kong but like even as like in chicago you're around these like millions of people and he has a way of presenting like any like chance encounter can completely change your life because so much of his movies Mm -hmm. are based around just like one chance encounter that a main character has and just like as like a i think as like a single guy in his late 20s like when you walk around the city like like that like you can have that feeling like anything could happen you could bump into somebody and it could completely change your life like it could upend everything um so that is that's that's the short of it like i could keep going on this for a while but i would like to hear you i actually well i actually felt that way the past two days because it's been nice outside and i and i've gotten out of the house and i went for a like a long bike ride all around the lakefront trail yesterday um just like kind of filming some stuff on my iPhone. And, um, and then today I went, I went away from my usual running route and I ran along the lakefront as well. Cause it's just gorgeous out. Um, and I think like after being inside so long and just being out and like seeing people's faces, like people are getting, especially on the lakefront trail, people are getting a little bit looser with the, with the masks <laughs> wearing, and, but like, honestly, I don't know, just like seeing people's faces and like, just seeing a lot of people that's like, wow, like what, like, I think you, I think you can get like a really limited idea of like people in your head, especially like people in your city and like any sort of stereotype or whatever. And then like you go out and you see real people and real people's faces and like everyone has a story obviously. Right. So it's like, um, in, in that sense, like, I know what you mean, obviously in, 
uh, I believe chunking, right. It's the beginning and uh, it's all the voiceover. There's a lot of voiceover in these films too. Yeah. Um, the voiceover of the um, Takeshi Kaneshiro character uh, running into the Brigitte, Brigitte Lynn character um, just being like in, 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 16 hours i will fall in love with this woman or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. and it's like and they do kind of like brush past each other in like a chance encounter or whatever and um and there's other moments like that like in in days of being wild uh the romance that's struck up just basically between uh leslie chung and maggie chung um just she's working at like the counter wherever she works and he comes mm -hmm. up and he kind of charms her and that you know sets sets the events of the movie into action but um that's another that's just like another really prominent theme is is the idea of time obviously and, and you could like you could read into that and talk about the the ticking time bomb of the of the chinese handover which which wong himself actually like talks about a little bit like he like it's not like it's not like that's like over contextualizing it or anything but um you know, in, in that scene, he talks about like, I'll always remember this minute because it's like the minute that I spent with you, um, which is yeah. just like, a, like he hooks her right there. Like, <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a lot just like in almost all of his movies are just like prolonged shots on clocks, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. So what it, like, I guess I don't we've talked about these movies a little bit outside of this, but I think we were both trying to save a lot of the conversation for this. Mm -hmm. Um and I know that, like, for me, he, like, getting close to potentially being, like, maybe my favorite filmmaker of all time, which is a hard thing to categorize. So it's, like, hard to, like, say that. Yeah. Like, I just, like, what, like, what, like, do you enjoy these movies? As yeah. Much as, like, what draws you to them that, that you do like? Or mm -hmm. I think that, like, specifically talking about, like, and, and we'll get into later in the episode, we're going to, we're going to uh, rank our favorite films here. So. Um, I don't want to spoil any of that yet, but um, I think like talking about those, those two movies in the middle, right. Chunking and fallen angels specifically, mm -hmm. like I look at those and I see, like you said, the experience of being like a young person in a city. And um, there's a lot of like youthful energy specifically, like that I'm drawn to with um, really actually like the second half of chunking with like Fei Wong and Tony mm -hmm. Long, like, those characters that feels like this sort of like really abundant, radiant, like youthful energy that is really um, unique. I don't know. Um, so I was really drawn to that. And there's a lot of that in Fallen Angels too, which is like simultaneously both um, a little bit more serious and a little bit zanier in my opinion. Like um, I'm obsessed with the Takeshi character in that movie, not just the sentimental version with his dad, but the version that forces people, <laughs> forces people to eat ice cream and, and buy and, and do, you know, various jobs for him against their will. Um, Abs absolutely insane scene. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like the moment. So I forget the first thing that's happening, but he's forcing that one dude to do something. And then we cut to like, whenever next later and he the guys the same guy is ordering ice cream at this truck and then he turns and he sees it's him and he's like oh it's you and he like starts <laughs> to run away and he grabs him and he's like he's like okay 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 and then he's like i'm just i'm just like grabbing my wallet and then he like makes another run for it and he basically pulls him into the ice cream truck and just like forces him to eat ice cream for hours and just hours the, the first time he was uh forcing him to get a hair wash and a shave 
That's right. That's right. He's like holding him down and washing his hair. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I, so crazy. I don't know. I loved, I loved that whole sequence. Like he, the, the guy that he's forcing to do it, he like calls his wife and he's like, no, I'm sorry. I won't be home for dinner. Like I'm eating an incredible amount of ice cream. Like, no, I still have to pay for it. Like, (laughs) uh, so, so yeah. Um, outside of that, like, um, I do love, like, you know, you brought up the idea of how, you know, we've never been to Hong Kong, right? We don't, I did, before Mm -hmm. I, before I started watching these movies and doing a little bit of research, like, I didn't know a ton about Hong Kong, um, other than just like previous scattered bits of knowledge, but like, you're talking about that and, and sort of like knowing it or feeling like, you know, it. And like, I always think of, of what James Joyce said about, you know, he like all of his stuff being in Dublin and how like the universal is contained in the specific. So like, or, or when people say like, write what you know, obviously like you focus in on your stories and actually people will relate to them without like having to specifically know the, all of the context, right? Like we could, we could keep talking about Hong Kong and all of the cultural baggage and everything there, but like, it's not, it's not as present in these films. Like they're, they're human things of people, you know, trying to fall in love, trying to get jobs, trying to find their way. Like that's, that's definitely the thing in those two middle movies. But like, we've talked about those a lot, like outside of that, like the later films, um, when you look at um, happy together in the mood for love in 2046, I think like feel much more actually in some ways, like a little bit more closer to, like where I'm at in life or, or as an adult, just sort of like Mm -hmm. navigating, navigating the idea of like career and all that stuff. Um, And there's a lot, there's like a lot that is really interesting there too. I don't know. I, I think like, I think there's something like, I don't know where I would put him in terms of like favorite filmmakers. I, it's probably a little bit too fresh and it's, it's, I think it's really easy for me to, to like, take on all of somebody's work and just like because there is that retrospective element to it right like it doesn't even though he may still be working on some projects like criterion putting out this box set us going and looking back at like it feels complete in some way so i think there's like an easy tendency to just like really wrap your arms around it and love it because it is it's like you know you dive in so deep like if i was watching these films come out one at a time and like thinking about them in that same context it it might be different too right because like you always want something you always want something out of like what your your favorite contemporary artists are making and like that can either uh show up in the next film or it can let you down but like when you go and you look back at something you just like you have what's there um so i don't know but i will say that like a lot of the a lot of the filmmakers that i really love are kind of like the stuffy or it's not even stuffy but like the typical sort of like film school uh mm. names thrown out like kubrick is is probably like my favorite filmmaker and uh and then you have like fellini and antonioni who and ingmar yeah. bergman and actually i i want to talk a little bit about bergman because one thing that i am really drawn to in uh, Wong Kar Wai's films that I don't think you always get with a lot of filmmakers is the um, ensemble aspect of of these actors. Obviously, the, most of the films are are like a pretty small cast. Like if you go to any given film 
on IMDb with maybe the exception of like 2046, um, you get like seven actors total and, you know, three or four of them are leads (laughs) or like in the case of happy together, it's like two actors. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like happy together was like the original like uh malcolm and marie basically (laughs) it really was like way before they had to have he had to have dropped sam levinson had to have watched this movie yeah yeah i'm sure i uh so but i really like that because it's really cool to see how a director works with specific actors um there's plenty of examples of this in obviously like contemporary filmmakers too like there's some of this with like paul thomas anderson um who's another filmmaker i love but yeah um it's it's cool too because i didn't really know any of these actors before like they're they're tied into these movies they're huge stars in in hong kong a lot of them a lot of them were like either they started out as as like pop singers and then became actors or vice versa like they started a singing career after um after being in these movies which is really interesting so like that's what's cool about days of being wild is that it was after like the success of his first film, it was like really hyped up and it had all these actors that people loved. And then people actually went to see the movie and they were like, what the hell is this? This is like this slow, like boring garbage. And it was kind of like a, kind of like a flop. And basically that's why he started his own production company because he basically was told that he wasn't going to have a career after that and then made ashes of time because um like martial arts films were were popular Mm -hmm. so well i think that he almost like he had to have built such a trust with this core of actors that he uses because of the way that he makes films Mm -hmm. um and i think it is super collaborative with the actors uh so he had like they're absolutely they're all amazing and i really really love them um we're I think we're, we're later gonna do, in, we're gonna do an actor's power ranking as well. Later in the pod, we're also gonna do an actor's power ranking for this, but like his partnership with some of these actors is <laughs> I think like truly can go down and like rival some of the like to reference like some some modern ones that people would know, like can absolutely rival like Scorsese, Pacino. But but that's the like, thing, is like Scorsese, and, like, but like who's Cause like, that's what I think about too. But I'm like, you also have Scorsese and Leo, like. They're similar, but I think, I think people associate him with Pacino. And then like, yeah, if you're going to put one with PTA, it would probably be Daniel Day Lewis. Cause he's Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. But they've only made two films together. Yeah. But which I are mean, two of my top 10 films of all yeah, time. Yeah. But... <laughs> I think that's the thing. Like, I think that like, you just have to look at, I think he was a little bit more like prolific in his filmmaking, like, in like how much film he like how many films he cranked out so yeah. i think you have to look at like the frequency of like pta yeah, and daniel right, day lewis right. like doing even two films together is pretty impressive because mm-hmm. they make they both make such little like they they work so much on one project that they, like so much of their stuff is spaced out a lot yeah yeah for sure and i mean we shouldn't say like like obviously i think i think tony long like um is in probably the most of these films mm-hmm. um often playing a lead but once again it's not he's not in every film you know what i mean and um it's not like it's not like he just used the same people every time but it's a pretty tight-knit group once again and to that point that was something that was really cool about watching so many bergman films in in a short period of time is like these actors that other than 
leave Ullman, I didn't really know any of them at all. And then I got to know them really quickly and their faces and everything. And then it's like, oh man, like, wait, these two are in love. They've been in love. They were in love like 10 years ago in this film. Like, that's really cool to see that progression. And like, oh, and this one, they're actually like enemies or something like that. It's, it's, it's like really cool to see that ensemble. Obviously it's like, it's reminiscent of like a theater troupe. Um, and uh yeah, yeah this I, is... I don't know i that's one of the once that's one of the standout things about about the movies for me is is getting to know all the actors um two things bergman is a huge gap in my knowledge i didn't know that that's like how he worked and two i think up and coming best combo bomb Bach and driver <laughs> <laughs> i hope i hope i think that's gonna keep rolling because they have white noise coming out um and Greta Gerwig starring in it uh, alongside oh, Adam Driver. I didn't know that. That'd be well, awesome. I actually knew that he was making that movie, but I didn't know Gerwig uh, was was going yeah. back to acting. That's she's what back, I've been wanting. She's back to acting. She's so good. She's we. I'm sure this will happen at some point, but she needs to direct herself. Like that. That would be amazing. That would be really awesome. It's just because it, it's it doesn't cool seem like that. she would do it. I think that she really likes working with like talent, like other talent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's great at it. She's Oh, I guess like another un, like underrated upcoming combo is Gerwig and Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one. I Yeah. Yeah. I you know, yeah, there there's there's lots of examples of that, but it's like it is cool once again. I think once you like take a director's whole body of work and you look at um and and you look at all the people they worked with over and over and um you know, like Maggie Chung like she he kind of propelled her to stardom and then she went on to be like a, a bigger movie star even outside of just like hong kong cinema or international cinema like yeah i know she's in um what irma irma veep the i've never seen it but i know it's like it's a french film that uh she was in that's like a really well-known film mm -hmm. um so i i think that he had like obviously in in her she was in the first two movies and then big role in in the mood for love so um so yeah so there's there's lots of uh yeah it, it's just cool to become familiar with these names and these people that um you just don't know before it's also funny too in in this specific case where like they just all share like the same last name or a couple of the same last names uh, yeah. like you know. <laughs> and uh yeah it got like really i was like are these people related like right there's so there's um, there's Tony Lung like the main the main one that we know but then there's also another Tony Lung who's in Ashes of Time and they have like different yeah. middle names or whatever so um you know I, that, and I you know too. speaking to this I wouldn't doubt that he was influenced by people like Bergman because if he was like watching western culture films with his mom every day he probably got a lot of these ideas from that yeah he had he had this anecdote which was so sweet about well one thing that i think i was going to mention is that because talking about his mom is that um he basically she passed away before any of his films came out and he was just mm -hmm. talking about um i think she would have loved my films and i was like oh man that's like that's, that's oh, like God. so sad and sweet like, <laughs> yeah um but also he also had this anecdote about how like um he wasn't able to like when Raiders of the Lost Ark came out, like he wasn't able to go see it with her and he like, he was able to get tickets and it was like mm -hmm. a big deal. And 
he he got his like his dad to go with her and he's like i knew she would love it so my dad went with her who seemingly his dad you know seafaring man uh, yeah pretty pretty like um conservative and not you know not as like emotionally open or whatever just you know i don't think he was as much of a as much of a cinephile so yeah but you know what that's a good movie to take somebody like that too that's like that's showing like a like a seafaring man who's not emotionally available like adventure the world you know yeah absolutely absolutely um so i think that's like you know that'd be a good a good take for the mom and the dad to go together uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll I have a couple points about the individual movies that we can go through. All right, uh, we're back. Um, Dalton, I one other question I wanted to ask you was like, when you think about like we were talking a little bit about like favorite filmmakers and stuff like that, like where do you see him in like relation to other filmmakers? Like, is there anyone else that he reminded you of, or maybe that like you felt like his films were influenced by, or vice versa? Yeah. So when I when I first started watching Chungking Express, all I could think about was Lost in Translation, and. Uh, I started to think a little bit more about like Sofia Coppola's films and you could just see how much he is an influence on her. And I know I watched, I haven't seen that movie in forever. You have it on Amazon. Yeah. 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 For sure. I think actually, I think I have it on DVD. So yeah, it's like a movie that like, I don't think about watching very often, but the second I want to watch it, I'm like, I, I absolutely have to watch this movie, but uh, alongside of like all of his stuff on Criterion, there's also a little clip of Barry Jenkins talking about him. Mm. And you can see it's so much like in Moonlight, uh, just in the color and the tonality of it. And especially in the last, like, you know, how Moonlight split up into the three different sections. Yeah. The, the yeah. last section is like so reminiscent of, of a Wong Kar Wai film. Yeah, um, yeah, it feels just, like a Days of Being Wilder 2046. That yes, of, yes, yeah. absolutely. And then the only other person that I have like found in the research that like has stated is pretty influenced by him is a person who made possibly my favorite movie of all time, and that's Harmony Korine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So like so like so many big like filmmakers in the world and like filmmakers that I love were completely influenced by his work and it's makes me like it even more honestly yeah and and on the other side like one thing that i um i i don't know if it's as much a like this person influenced this director or it it seems more like a two-way street but um literally the first 10 minutes of as tears go by so the first time watching his film at all um, I'm like, this is the exact plot of Stranger Than Paradise, Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> um, like the cousin comes to stay, and then they kind of start falling in love, and like, uh, he's got his, he's got people calling, he's got stuff going on, and I'm like, this is weird. Like, this is like, did he is he just like remaking this movie in Hong <laughs> Kong? But then like you go and you look, you look at like the movies in general, and like, um, there's also a scene in Stranger Than Paradise with, uh, you know, like they're at the diner and I, I was kind of reminded of that with Fei Wong and Chungking Express um, or like other Jarmusch films where 
there's just like a smattering of different characters mm-hmm. like going about a place like um what's the the one that takes place in memphis um whatever that is but uh patterson with adam driver like kind of the way he behaves and he he seems like he could be in one of these films um so that was another once again i don't know like who's influenced by who and i think it's probably a little bit like both ways but um that was another filmmaker who i was reminded of who i i love his movies so yeah i think that you i don't think that you can not pull from people that you love or scenes that you love and stuff i think that even if you're trying not to like you could try your best not to rip somebody off but you can like he like anybody could just see a scene in a film that they love and start making their own film and it's like so ingrained in your head that you're like i want this but in my movie (laughs) yeah and actually you know looking at as tears go by um i don't know if you've ever seen mean streets but it's uh it's basically a poll on that, that same yeah, plot yeah. with De Niro and Keitel um, with the um, Jackie Chung character as the De Niro. And once again, like the director, Wong Kar Wai, he's pretty open about this. He's like, Oh yeah, we love that movie. We're like, we should, we should incorporate that idea into, into this plot. So I was watching it thinking, I was like, I know there's something that feels so similar to this. And then I was reading something about it in mean streets. And then, Finally, I think, reading the, the director talking about it, he's like, "Yeah, we love that movie." Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a very similar pull. And there's actually like, there's an inner, or I don't remember where it is, but I watched a little clip of uh, an interview with Scorsese and Wong Kar Wai, and mm-hmm. Wong Kar Wai like opens up like, "I'm Two so kings. happy, I'm so happy to be sitting here with my hero." Yeah, and so like he's like, like so like, wasn't that he, what Bong did in his speech at the Oscars too? Didn't he call out Scorsese? I don't doubt it, dude. Like, like, who who isn't who doesn't worship Scorsese? Well, uh, another thing about that too is that Scorsese, um, uh, obviously has his own film career, but he um, has been like a huge proponent proponent of world cinema and has gotten like a mm-hmm. lot of films brought to an American audience. So I think that um, there's a lot of uh, respect there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But as tears go by, Mean Streets linked up yeah 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 both great films i so a couple things about as tears go by so number one within like the first five minutes of the film uh maggie chung's character shows up and she's wearing a face mask and this was just extremely striking not only for the obvious reasons of of living through covid but just Mm. thinking like okay this was this film was 32 years ago this was a common yeah. practice. She was just sick. Like she didn't feel well. She's wearing a face mask. And then like here in America in the year 2020, we can't just, we can't get people to wear face we masks. We cannot get, well, like, it, here. It, I think it's a very common practice in Asian countries in general. Like yeah. I know um, like in airports and stuff, like it's not uncommon to see people wearing face masks. Right. And I've seen like plenty of pictures of Asian countries where people wear face masks like out and about. I think it's just a way to be like preventative and, and well, and so... I think that I think that the, a lot of those countries do have like the the SARS epidemic in two thousand three would like hit Hong Kong um, mm-hmm. really badly, and obviously that was you know once again like twenty or however many years fifteen years after this film, but like, um, but yeah, it, it's a matter of experience, right? Like we we never experienced something like this, but once again, yeah. I just like looking at that, I'm like it's right here like this is like this is like a new problem you know like yeah it's so and it and actually like 
it almost feels like when I, I remember seeing it too, and it almost felt like normal. Cause like, I find myself so often when watching movies now, like I get into some weird mode where I'm so, COVID. I'm so used to this and I'm like, why aren't people, why aren't they wearing masks? Like, I know. What, what I are know. they doing? So it like almost felt normal when she showed up in a mask. I was like, Oh, finally somebody in this fucking yeah, movie is wearing a this mask. This film's real. Yeah. <laughs> And you, so this was, so this was the first movie I watched. I tried to start watch, I tried to watch them in order, but then Mm -hmm. I kind of jumped around a little bit, but you, you probably saw this one a little bit later on, right? So I saw, I watched this one third. Oh, Um, okay. So I, I watched Chunking first and then In the Mood for Love. And then I went in order after that. Okay. Got it. And, and you watched it through Music Box as well. I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this one looked incredible to me, and I think that's what's cool about the 4K restoration is, like, I think that, I don't know, maybe it always looks that great, but I was, I really loved just the quality of the film, like, the picture. It was, it looks super cool, and I really like, one thing, the thing that I like most about this movie is the way that he incorporates that, like, love of slow-mo into his action sequences. Yeah um and so you get like these streaky fights uh that are happening in slow-mo and then they speed up and lots of action so i mean this is this is the most genre film right like oh absolutely it's like a pure gangster film um and it's just like about a guy trying to go straight but also trying to like take care of his brother and like best friend who is kind of just like a loose cannon and keeps fucking up yeah keeps on fucking up like cannot stop fucking it's up it's like crazy it's like what are you doing like he, yeah always starting shit i i love the prevalence throughout these movies of people um of gambling and playing cards and mm-hmm. how how common that was um you know for for wong apparently and it's so. like it, it like takes like this character this main character's love for this for his brother is so deep that um I don't want to spoil too much for anybody. So just be forewarned. But he ends up dying at the end to like carry out a last task that his his brother was carrying out that was like kind of an impossible task. Yeah. Yeah. A strong sense of duty. Um, uh, one other thing just about this movie, like were you, when when they said they were cousins and they started falling in love, were you confused? What, what was it? I was very confused because I think that now I could be very wrong on this, but I don't think it's uncommon for people in Asian countries to call people cousin that aren't actually their cousins. Um, I've seen or it, it and be a second cousin. We don't know. Yeah, like, I've seen yeah. it in some films and in some like reading where people say like cousin, but it's not actually their cousin that they're saying more like a friend. It's like a bad translation. So it could just be like a, like a translation thing. Um, so I thought it was like that for a little bit, but then you find out later on that they're actual cousins. And they're they, cousins, yeah. Yeah, and then they like I started to be like I thought I was going crazy for a second. I was like, wait, are they supposed to be doing this? Like, why are they smooching? Like, what is that? What's going on? It's it's not subtle at all. Like, right? No. Like, the two straight scenes of like take my breath away playing mm-hmm. like, them like making out in a phone booth. Like, it's like, yeah. It's like played on. So I, I wasn't sure either. I assumed that there was maybe once again, like first cousin marriage is not like uncommon in the world. And it's mm-hmm. forgive my cultural ignorance, but like, I'm just like, yeah, that must, it must be a different viewpoint in, in the country it, at this time, whatever. I don't know. I guess it is. I don't know. You know what show 
that I really love touches on this is the show Rami on Hulu. And never watched it. He kind of like in throughout or like towards the end of season one and throughout se- or season two, he like is kind of like falling in love with his cousin. Okay. Um, and like, it's like kind of just figuring out what to do with that. Right. But it's like, I, yeah, I guess I don't, I don't know. I don't want to do it. I don't, I guess I don't have a lot of experience on it. Not for me. <laughs> but, but yeah, that was, it was strange. Um, one thing he brought up that I forgot that I love so much that he does in his movies is the interjection of like Western music into his movies. Yeah. Um, and really like doesn't, like sometimes he has covers uh, that are, in different languages but like other a lot of the times like they're just like they're normal versions and it like yeah i don't the know take it, my breath away is a is a canto pop version yeah um, in cantonese that's one other of the, like, than the chorus and then, which is just sung in english i know then in uh in chunking he does a he does a translated version of the cranberry song but a lot of the times oh, he just uses uh, like dreams uh, yeah a lot of the times he just uses the regular songs and it's, uh, I don't know, it just looks so, like, it sounds and looks so beautiful happening over this, like, Hong Kong city street. And it's, it's so nice. Yeah, the music is great and it's all over. And, and actually, that's, like, a big thing that stuck with me about the next film, Days of Being Wild, is all the um, Latin uh, big band music. Uh, a lot of it is from this dude named Javier Cugat, which... Um, basically is like the real life inspiration behind uh, Ricky Ricardo. Okay. <laughs> and his sort of Ricky Ricardo's big like yeah. uh, uh, Latin percussion band or whatever. But that music is really cool and, and has a, like an awesome vibe to the, to the movie as well as like a, it's either a Hawaiian or Filipino sort of like steel guitar um, sort of dreamy music throughout um, that, that really stuck with me in that one. Um, but uh, but yeah, the mu- like th- there's really great music choices throughout and songs being repeated. Obviously, talking about Chunking and the use mm-hmm. of California Dreaming, that's like a like a character <laughs> for all intents and purposes in that movie. But like, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of those moments where music is 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 really front and center. So, so as we're moving on through these, I think that like I mean, I'm gonna need you to vamp on Days of Being Wild on your own mostly because i remember like i remember so it's the only one of his movies that i've seen one time okay and oh wow okay. I, and i rented um as tears go by and days of being wild uh in the same night and i was just like slamming wine through days through uh as tears go by and i do not remember much of days of being wild i remember like so days of being wild bigger points of it but like yeah but like, de- it's like a little bit lost for me. The details are a little fuzzy for me as well, which is weird because I was thinking about, once again, in ranking these films, I was a little bit confused on where it lands for me because I was like, I was not as hot on it, but then I was going back and reading through my notes on it. And I just wrote down a lot of quotes from it, like lines from <laughs> Leslie Chung's character. And that was just great. Like, yeah, he's, he talks about the, the legless bird the, um, that won't that uh, will keep flying until it lands and then it dies, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 
there's another moment which i just think is a cool metaphor for his character obviously um uh kind of being a playboy and then kind of related to that same point i think the second woman that we see him with uh played by karina Lau. her name is Mm -hmm. like mimi or lulu i think it's like both of those or something um she's like she's getting really jealous about like this this past woman with um maggie chung's character who like shows up to get i think like to get something or whatever and she gets really like intense and jealous about like who is that why is she out there um and like maggie chung has since moved on and she kind of like uh i think she like meets up with the andy lau character or something like that and it kind of falls falls for him but um she she kind of moves on the mimi character is like getting really jealous and attached and he is um just not looking for this like commitment once again and she asks him like who he loves more and he's like i won't he says i won't know which woman i love most until the end of my life which i just thought was like <laughs> a funny thing to say to somebody like what yeah like, like like you're just trying to hurt somebody you know when you say that like mm-hmm. um but you know it's mostly that right it's mostly him kind of having these trysts with it's mainly those two women um and uh and his aunt who is um takes care of him and she's also a bit of a spinster and uh gets real drunk and he has to take care of her yeah Um, and she wasn't her and she's the same actress who um who is the the landlady in in the mood for love rebecca pan is her name and but his uh his aunt or his like adoptive mother is like a former prostitute in days of being wild no yeah yeah and once again it's his aunt it's his aunt yeah. but like i don't know is it is it his is it his mother's sister or i think it is because she knows her she seems to have a thing where it's basically yeah. like his mother had to leave when he was younger or had to give him up as you know adoption whatever the circumstances mm-hmm. i'm sure it's described but he doesn't know her and then he he wants to find her and i mean i think you could like I think it's tried to portray as like some of the reasons of his like, um, you know, running away from attachment is is related to those um, those mommy issues, if you will. But like, yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. I know you had it in your notes, but it is so similar to like the Don Draper story, where his mother was a prostitute who passed away, and then his adoptive mother hated him, and he's he becomes such a womanizer. We can talk more uh, about Mad Men when we. I could talk about, I, I could literally, it would have to be like a two-part pod because I would do two two-hour episodes. Um, oh, just for Mad Men or in relation to, in relation to these movies? Oh, just for Mad Men. I can keep oh, it okay. short. That's... I can, I can keep it short in relation to the movies. Well, I, I just meant, I just meant that like, I learned that, that like, um, In the Mood for Love and 2046 were big influences on Matthew, is it Wein, is it Weiner or Weiner? Weiner, yeah. Okay. Uh, in for Mad Men, like he talked about uh, stealing a shot of for the mm-hmm. the first shot of Don Draper. He's like, oh yeah, I stole that from In the Mood for Love. Like, oh yeah, you can love. you can absolutely tell. But but yeah, the story like there's like the story of these main characters is so similar. And I don't know. Yeah, I guess like and those three movies are an the, informal are, like trilogy, right? Like they're they they all take place in the '60s. They share characters. Days of Being Wild, like maybe shares characters. It's it's a little bit looser of a connection. Some of that is talked about in 2046, but 
2046 mm-hmm. is a sequel of in the mood for love like sure. yeah it's a it's tony long's character like yeah. carried over it does it Mr. never really, it never really like states it explicitly but it basically yeah. yeah yeah it doesn't say it basically does like you see you see everything that happens in in the mood for love like switched over and there's all the talk about the speaking your secrets and everything so yeah um, and for for days of being wild i I will not spoil any other of my of my rankings, but it is last for me purely because I like don't remember a ton of it, and I think part of me just like it's interesting, didn't, yeah, didn't connect with it as much, and I don't know, maybe it's because I have like a very good relationship with my mom. I don't know, <laughs> like it just didn't it didn't hit home with me as much as the uh, the other ones did. I thought it was really good, but it didn't stick with me, and and when I think back on it, I'm like, yeah, it's a damn good movie, but I'm like. And it doesn't mean anything to be the last in the rankings. You know what I mean? It's it's only seven films. It's like you gotta you gotta pick somebody. Yeah, but it's still an amazing film. I do. Before we move on, I do just really want to talk talk quickly about like the whiplash that I experienced when the end of the movie broke broke out into like a huge action scene. <laughs> oh like, yeah! Out of nowhere, they go to the Philippines. He meets up with Andy Lau's character. And he's going to help him out. And then they basically like have to get money or he has to like get his passport back from this dude or something like that. And he goes into this hall and he just starts whipping ass. And they're like, this like martial arts music comes on and it's just like out of nowhere compared to the rest of the movie. Do you think, do you think that he was like warming up for ashes of time? No, he, he straight up said he, he so matter of factly in this interview, he's just like, yeah, we needed an action scene. <laughs> to the audience so we put one in well a lot of his films do like blend genre a good amount yeah um so okay, i guess that makes sense like a lot of them do have like other than in the mood for love a lot of them do have just like a little bit of an action scene at a least. bit of a, a bit a bit of crime or yeah yeah for sure um chunky express we've talked about it a lot already but you know what else what one thing I just wanted to talk about was like the entire plot line of Fei Wong breaking into the apartment and taking care of stuff. Like, what do you make of that? Like, I to me, so, I love it. It's so interesting. But I, I, the whole time I was just like, what is she doing? So I, upon rewatch for, a th- I, I, this is now the third time that I've wa- third or fourth time that I've watched it. Yeah. Um, I at first the first couple times I watched it I thought it was just like weird and I didn't really pick up on what she was doing but then this last time I just thought it was like so beautiful it's because if you if you pay attention she's like she's replacing all of the old stuff that he has with like either identical copies or like slightly newer stuff yeah and I think it's because she fell in love with his character and she knows he's going through a breakup and like there's this like there's this way that like a fight or a breakup can like touch everything in your apartment and kind of taint it and i think that she's like working to replace everything so that he will no longer feel sad and be able to move on um okay that's like my that's that's my take on it uh and she's like she's like healing this character from outside in like a really weird way where she's breaking into his apartment yeah and like switching things out but and it's weird too because it it has i couldn't tell and maybe you know it since you've watched it three times i i just watched it once um 
I couldn't tell how much he knew it was happening. Like it felt like he knew it was happening, but then like he gets kind of surprised when he first sees her in there. But once again, like um, I, for several of these movies, I just like wrote down and I, I don't even like in my notes, I don't even fully understand, but I kind of get it. But like, I just wrote down like phantom thread. <laughs> but, like in this movie, I remember, cause I was thinking of this idea of like, he's letting her break into his apartment and doing this thing. And he's going to pretend like he doesn't know it's happening in the same way that Reynolds Woodcock is like, yes, you can poison me with my implicit approval. We'll never explicitly address it. However, this is the relationship with that we have. And it's like our thing. It's our so, kink. It's their kink. It's like, yeah, he's probably also just like, cool. You're like cleaning my apartment for free. Okay. Yeah, he's just like, you're just cleaning up. But I do. So if you remember, there's a part where he comes in and he's talking to like an armoire and yeah. saying like, okay, yeah, he talks out. to all his stuff. Yeah. Well, he's like, he's like talking to his ex-girlfriend saying like, okay, come out now. And he mm. says like, she always used to surprise me. So I think that part of him thinks that it's her coming back at first. Oh, okay. Until he catches, um, until he what's catches. Her face? I yeah, don't remember until the he catches Fei Wong though. Yeah, that? until he catches Fei Wong's character in there the one day, and then I think yeah. I think then is when he realizes that it's her yeah. and that she's like trying to help him, mm-hmm. and like that's why I think that's why he's so okay with it. Yeah, it's just it's just I love that whole sequence. Like, there's something that is so exuberant and thrilling and like just weird and I don't know. It 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 really it really pulled me in um as long as well as just like everything that she's in everything in in that movie that that every scene she's in like just magnetic like so so magnetic dude she has the most like when she first goes into his apartment the first time she has the most chaotic energy oh i know like and it's so like it's it's so enticing like i just want to be her around her when she's doing this where she's like just screaming or like like shuffling up like a blanket for no reason and like screeching like it's so but like, weird. And I, I think about all the scenes with her in the in at the midnight express restaurant um playing california dreaming and just like with this manic energy and uh there's something so like enticing about that too and it just reminds me like i think what i love about it so much is that it just reminds me of like anybody any young person working a job, especially in the service industry, who just doesn't want to be there and is just like fucking around kind of. And Mm -hmm. like, it's, I don't know, man. It's just so funny. Like, it feels so real. Like she's like, she's like really into this dude and she's like trying to get his attention, but like trying to play it cool. And just like something about the way she looks like she's gorgeous. She also kind of looks a little weird. Like, yeah i don't know man it's it's the most like it's it's an incredibly realistic character i know this person like i know (laughs) i like i know individuals like this yeah and ah, god it's it's just so beautiful one of my favorite things about this movie yeah is and it's like one of the through lines of the two stories uh the two different stories is the the midnight express owner who just like with both characters he knows he's great 
he knows that they just went through a breakup and he's just like always trying to set him up with the new female employee he's like he's like ah that's fine man you'll find a new chick go ahead and like i got this i got Faye, another Faye back here you right. want to have her out like <laughs> right right i know that's that, so is that the same dude who ends up he's like um he shows back up in in the mood for love i think as like tony's boss or like he also works at the newspaper or something like that he's in something he's in something else maybe he's, he's probably in another one i don't remember he's, i know he's pretty great though he's he's got a fun um like atmosphere about him yeah he's great oh one of my favorite so this is, a, this is another thing i noticed upon the third watch uh, is that so in the first sequence which kind of gets lost in <laughs> the, the third second, watch sounds like a weird like vigilant vigilante group like <laughs> uh well it's like well what do, what do you call it? the last watch is like the the game of thrones thing oh, i think yeah. that was like <laughs> yeah yeah that, the, night watch, um, the night watch right but so often i think like i always forget about the first story in chunking chunking express because you get so lost in like Tony Lung and Faye Wong yeah. just like being incredibly charismatic. But there's this shot where um the the girl the the lady in the blonde wig, I don't think she ever has Brigitte, a name. Brigitte yeah. Lynn is the actress. Um and then uh what's his face? Takeshi. Uh, Takashi Kinoshiro. Shawa? <laughs> yes, Shira. yeah. Kinoshiro. Uh, he uh there so she's wearing like a, a tan raincoat with red sunglasses and yeah. he has this like tan like button-up shirt on with a red tie and they so perfectly match and offset each other with these two characters who are like in this complete state of like loneliness and despair mm-hmm. as they said at this bar and it was like i was like ooh, that's crisp yeah, like it was those, so beautiful those characters are both pretty amazing too like like uh her her commanding her army of drug smugglers around is just hilarious and oh like, my god yeah her, her her screen presence is just like obviously she's wearing the sunglasses like basically the whole time but like she just has like such a cool presence about her and then with the with uh takeshi as well like he is coming off of a breakup right and he's like he's doing this really like performative like loneliness which is like half real but also kind of like silly um, but he's doing this. It's like, it's like, it feels like when you are talking to like a 15 year old and they're like, mm-hmm. I just, not even a 15 year old, you, um, you're like a senior in college or yeah. whatever. And you meet a freshman and they're like, dude, I might have to break up with my like girlfriend from back home. Like she's it's like, like, the lo- like she's the love of my life, man. Like she's perfect. It's like, <laughs> I'm going through a really hard time right now. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah. And he's like running through his like phone book and calling up all these, like he calls like one girl and he's like, Hey, remember we went to fourth grade together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, he, he's like, a, he's just like terrified of being alone. Basically. He like, yeah. he doesn't actually care about this person. He's broken. No, up but he's like and doing I, this thing where he's like, it's also hilarious he's like she broke up me with me on april 1st so i'm like giving it an extra month to make sure it's real yeah <laughs> and he does the thing where he's like eating the the cans of pineapple every day like yeah he will he'll only he like only buys ones that expire on may 1st right right yeah exactly to so give then, it like, like the one month all, and he like eats it all in one night and mm. yeah just once again like 
I don't know. So, it's, it, yeah. it's hard to even explain, but it, it's so silly and, and fun and real. Yeah. So like overly dramatic, but still like charming in the way yeah. like he's obsessed with jogging. Uh, so that way he sweats so much that he can't cry anymore. Oh yeah, that's great. I know. <laughs> He's like, I got to sweat out all the extra water so I can't cry. Right, right. You like that's like the type of thing you'd hear somebody say. You're just like, okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, you got to get over uh, there. Like, um, I think going into Fallen Angels, like one thing you're talking about, like Fei Wong just being psychotic. Like, what is she doing? Like, definitely feels the same way with um Takeshi's character in this film as well as the woman that he meets up with at the McDonald's I don't remember mm-hmm. like who she, who she's played by or her character's name but like um one thing I wrote down for this movie is just like it feels like a lot of just like crazy people uh just like wait around until they find another crazy person to just like yeah it's exactly it's exactly what it is I know we we talked about it earlier but like to elaborate more on it like so this Takashi's character he doesn't like have an actual job he just waits until every like all the shops close at nighttime yeah and then he breaks into them and then he forces people to come in and he gives them whatever service the shop offers like if Mm -hmm. it's a barber shop if it's a butcher it's an ice cream truck like he just like makes them buy the stuff from him to act like he's like serving them like the actual yeah. service. He talks about his justification of just like, like I, I figure like it's not being used, like the rent's being paid. Like I shouldn't let it go to waste. Like that's, yeah. how, he, that's how he talks about like breaking into these businesses. But he like pretty much like for most of the characters, he like holds a guy down and washes his hair until the guy's like, I'll give you money if you just stop. And he's like, okay, thank you. He takes the money. Yeah, he, yeah he like immediately he takes the bills and he looks at it and he just like walks away. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. he's absolutely insane in this movie mm-hmm. and you still like it. And then, and that's when we get into like the videotape sequence. And like, this is the one time so one of the only like quotes that I like, really wrote down was from this movie and I absolutely loved it. And it's when he's helping his boss record uh, like the happy birthday video for his family. Yeah. And he said, uh, this, I don't know if this is an exact quote, but he said something like, I'd like to try recording tapes like that, but I don't want to end up sending them to myself. And like, you just like realize like how lonely this person is and like, yeah. how like sad they feel all the time. And like, he like wants to make these videos for people, but he doesn't have a single person to send them to. Right. Right. It's, it's, I think in like, sometimes in movies, it's hard to remember because they're obviously the star of the movie. So you're just like, Oh yeah, this person's awesome. Like, Mm -hmm. but like, no, like that's not, that's not necessarily the story that's telling, but like, I don't know. In some ways it's, in some ways it's more fun and playful to me because of the way these movies are treated. Like the sadness doesn't necessarily actually come through in the way that like, a lot of dramatic films i can actually feel a character sadness but like it's not necessarily the point right like yeah one thing that i wrote about this film is it feels like a bridge from the like um youthful exuberance of the early films to like the ennui of the later films like this sort of like middle-aged loneliness like where it gets Mm -hmm. a little bit sadder this film feels like a bridge between those two things it's like not quite in one camp or the other um it's definitely getting there like tonally it's a lot sadder than the other films definitely like the hitman that which i don't like that part of the film as much but it's like the the 
the Takeshi character, uh, you know, really stands out for me. And another another cool thing about this movie too, just like that's pretty notable, is that it um, it's shot on an extremely wide lens. It's like almost all fisheye lens, like mm-hmm. nine point eight millimeter, um, which is just really cool. Like obviously the shot of them on the motorcycle and the, like the tunnel whirring past and um, really frenetic, like handheld camera, like quick cuts, um, even from the very beginning, it's just like, it's very stylized. So. Yeah. I actually, I actually do like the Hitman sequence. Uh, and the reason is that two of my other favorite criterion finds were uh, Le Samurai okay. and Ghost Dog, which is directed by Jim Jarmusch. Yeah. And it's like the, the small little Hitman sequence, you don't get like enough of it, but it's kind of the same exact story. So like, once again, like influenced by Jarmusch and um, it's like, it just follows like a hitman who wants okay, out, the, but has to yeah. go on like one other, one other hit. And like, it just goes wrong. It's funny because I didn't even think, cause I watched ghost dog recently as well. And um, I didn't even think I was talking about Jarmusch, but I didn't even think about like, um, what's the, what's the actor? What's the, in, in ghost dog, the main Forrest Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker, yeah, him and the French dude who sells stuff out of the ice cream truck, like them talking to each other and not knowing each other's language and like having the same conversation to each other. That is like some pure, like Wong Kar Wai shit. Like that yeah. would absolutely yeah. happen in one of these movies. <laughs> I, I just love those sequences. So. But yeah, so that's why I did really like the, like the hitman part of this, of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was some cool stuff too, that felt very like of a piece with the rest of these, like, the fact that the woman goes through people's trash to like get to know them. And mm-hmm. she like kind of very OCD is like separating the trash and like yeah. pulling it apart and stuff. And then like, uh, yeah. Oh, the, like the beautiful moment, like the way that he leaves like a message for her to say, like, I'm leaving by having somebody play a song on the record player. And he was like, she'll know once she hears this song, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not coming. That's awesome. That's, that's so, so like, cool. worry. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think noir is my favorite genre. So this was yeah. like really playing to my strengths. Yeah. Yeah. It, and uh, the, the cinematography, once again, like not only just the wide lens, but like the way stuff is shot in this one mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, okay. Uh, what's next? So next, next comes out uh, happy together. So probably the uh, biggest bummer of them all. Like from a quality standpoint or just like no no no, not quality okay. of uh of content standpoint of just like sadness like it's just a sadder movie than the rest of them it is to yeah me. no that, that's a good point i um one thing like the main thing i wanted to talk about with this film is just sort of like it it seems like at the time right in 1997 and i i tried to do a little bit of research on like um sort of like gay rights in hong kong like before like you know in this period of time versus like after china started to um you know become more prominent but it seems like part of the the plot impetus was literally the the handover in 1997 the year that this film came out and that seemingly like a lot of people in the gay community were were leaving because they weren't sure like from Mm -hmm. a civil rights perspective what was going to happen um but aside from that, like one thing that I kind of thought was interesting is that like 
we're going to uh we're going to a gay relationship in this film and it just doesn't like it's not made like a huge part of the plot like it doesn't feel like it feels like it could be any relationship to me but i i, I don't know like so well, basically what i was curious is is like do you feel like that like the homosexual relationship like fundamentally plays into the dynamics or is it like more making a case that like these dynamics are universal between any relationship be it romantic be it a friendship whatever um because i could see like i could see an argument either way basically so to me i think that i think the reason it's not like addressed a lot in the film is because he's saying like it's not like it doesn't matter who's in the relationship it doesn't matter if this is a gay relationship or a straight relationship like these are problems that everybody has this like this codependence and reliance on somebody who like you also like do not work with and like brings you so much misery um, is like it, it expands across all relationships. So I think that like, I think it was really progressive for its time because it did not address the fact that they were in a gay relationship really at all. Right. Like and, it wasn't trying to be like, look at me. I'm, I'm like making this movie about this topic. Like, no, I don't think that they even like once state, anything about it like it just like continues on as any relationship would in a film um and i also think it like plays into so i think part of that plays into like the drive of the main character of like how because he's he's in a one thing i love about this movie is that it's not set in hong kong and you get to see like wong kar wai's like cinematography and filmmaking Mm -hmm. uh in Argentina which is just like an amazingly cool looking city right but I think like you have this main character who is kind of closeted uh like it doesn't seem like a lot of his like co-workers or family knows that he is gay right uh, they might but then he's the Tony also, Long character yeah he's also in a foreign country so you just see how like alienated he is like how alone he probably feels which probably like which I think drives him continually back to this mm-hmm. character who just like hurts him and is like the most like honestly other than malcolm marie the one of the most toxic relationships i've ever seen (laughs) uh yeah um yeah i i think like it's an amazing acting showcase for these two um which is a cool part of it Mm -hmm. i also think like to your point about it being in argentina that like it doesn't feel that different because so much of it takes place in the apartment and it feels like it could be a Hong Kong apartment. Yeah. Um, but there's the backdrop, right? Like, you know, what's happening. Like they go to the nightclub, the streets are a little bit different. They're a little bit calmer. Um, like at least where they are, I, I guess they're in Buenos Aires, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and then like, obviously we have the waterfall, What whatever those, whatever that big waterfall in Argentina is that, that they want to go visit, but they never do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, they have like the ornamental lampshade of it, which is just a cool, it's just like cool, like theme throughout the movie. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely a bummer. It, it definitely, it's one of those weird things because it's like their relationship is so toxic, but there is like a sweetness to it. Once again, Phantom Thread, like once he's sick, yeah yeah (laughs) once he's sick everything becomes a little bit sweeter when they're taking care of each other yeah when they're taking Um, care of each other the craziest thing about that is the 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 route to him like i'm pretty sure the route to him needing 
the Tony Lung's character to take care of him is that he so he steals oh, a watch. Sick, he gets beat up. He yeah, so like, he steals yeah. a watch for Tony's character, and then blame like this is like gets to like the root of their like how toxic this relationship, and then blames him for getting beat up for stealing the watch for him and he's like he's like well why did you take the watch and he's like you gave it to me and he's like well i got beat up for it so take care of me now yeah (laughs) just like this like insane like cat and mouse game of like ways to like draw each other back in he one thing i remember about the movie that i like the most is like um is sort of like because you see that tony's character is still jealous of like the other flings that he's seen um, mm-hmm. Leslie Chung's character having. Yeah. And uh, so, because Leslie will be like, oh, I'm going out for cigarettes and we'll be gone for a while. And then yeah. Tony goes out and buys tons and tons of cigarettes, like just boxes, yeah. packs. Just like 20, 20 and packs. And he shows them, he's like, they're all over. He's like, he's like, so you don't have to go get cigarettes anymore. And he's like, I don't like these. Like, he's like throwing them. He's like, I don't like to smoke these. Like, <laughs> it's there's just like once again like a pretty amazing chaotic energy to these these characters but it is a little bit is a little bit more serious and a little bit more a little bit more representative of like real relationships and real struggles in communication and love and i don't know like it's interesting it's once again it's it's toxic but there's a beauty to it and they just kind of have to move on i guess like it's kind of similar to like leslie chung and magic maggie chung's relationship in days of being wild like he uh it only continues because she lets it right so like when tony finally lets go in this movie and kind of just disappears like Mm -hmm. it it just ends and they become at peace with it right like just the, the idea of like knowing when you need to when you need to step out of something like that right and there's this like I can't tell with the with the person at the restaurant that he works at, like if it's a if that's a romantic relationship or if it's more of just a friendship or anywhere on the spectrum, right? Um, but that friend who the guy who the guy who um, you know he he it's a, like that's an interesting part too of the movie is that he ends up working at a Chinese restaurant because he basically is like has that longing for home, like yeah. even though he tried to leave. Uh, and he is like initially working at the the Latin like the Tango nightclub. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up back working in like the kitchen of the Chinese restaurant, and yeah. there's like people that he can speak his language with, and he and that he feels safe around. And then that other character who like kind of takes an interest in him or whatever, and um, they become friends. And that character ends up like going to the going to the waterfall, and he like sends him a tape recording, right? Like yeah i don't know they they develop like a cool friendship or or whatever whatever it is but it's like once he starts developing that with him he's like oh yeah i don't there's just other people in the world like Mm -hmm. i don't this is a really this is what it feels like to be actually cared for and like actually loved like and not manipulated and uh and that kind of helps him break free and i think basically he goes back to um i think he goes to i think he goes to taiwan at the at the end of the film yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. The, even more so, I remember like uh, when Marriage Story came out, like so many people were saying like, don't watch Marriage Story with your significant other, like it could ruin it. And like, I think this like, this movie is even more so like that because they're not like married. It like shows like, yeah, truly like tragic relationship. 
it's such a funny thing because like it it makes the assumption and i'm not trying to like sit here and be like oh, i like i'm in such a great it's just like funny because like people say that but like it's like yes if you have a bad relationship that will happen like yeah yeah well don't yeah communicate with your partner and you go see one of these movies then like it should yeah, be very eye-opening yeah right for sure <laughs> but yeah that's definitely like it's funny i remember that conversation about around marriage story mm-hmm. it's like which i don't know i i think i need to revisit that movie i'm not sure how i feel about it um, I, re- I rewatched that movie not too long ago. I still like it a lot. Is it good? Yeah, it is still good. It's cool, man. It's hard to, I, I have a hard time. What, what I liked the most about that movie was sort of like the, the um, legal trickery of the, of like the divorce um, of like big divorce. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. That's like one of the biggest parts of it. And it's so, yeah. it's so intriguing. Cause like, obviously neither of us has gone through a divorce but like the way that the the whole legal system just like pits two people against each other, right? And can like bring out these fucking vicious claws, right? Like they don't even may seem not like have they necessarily been there before. Have that bad of a relationship, yeah. just splitting apart. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Um, so okay, so in the mood for love. So basically, like, so when I was saying like, oh, I'm getting through some of these movies, and you're like, dude, wait till you get to in the mood for love, um. And I liked this movie, but I was like a little frustrated and maybe it was like overhyped for me, but you seem to like really, really love this. So like, what, what about this movie? Like really, really stuck with you. So <laughs> if you can answer that question, <laughs> I, I probably can. Uh, this movie. So I don't think I'm alone in this from what I've researched. It's like considered his masterpiece. Um, and I think that just scene by scene, every part of it feels deliberate, even knowing like the way that he shot this movie and that it took like 60 weeks and was really pieced together. There's one specific scene where it shows, um, I don't, I don't, I can't remember the female character's name. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Chan or Mrs. Uh... But it shows it shows her like sitting in a chair in her apartment, kind of like playing with something in her hand, and then it pans through a wall to Tony Leung's character, um, and has him sitting in the exact same position. And it's so the movie is about these two people who live in the same apartment building, and they both realize that they're so. They, like spouses, partners, whatever they are, are having affairs. And they start kind of like reenacting how that mm-hmm. would have went with. Well, they're having an affair with each other. The, the spouses. Yes. Yeah. 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 But they start, uh, they start like the, the two main characters start reenacting how that may have happened. Right. And just like the, the mutual like hurt and, pain that these characters are feeling while simultaneously like finding comfort in each other knowing that they're not alone in this experience mm-hmm. uh mixed with like how the movie shot like how beautiful it is the the color palette of it like so much so much like the dresses yeah so much like dark blues and and like really like kind of like, deep deep reds deep reds that like the 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 only way i could think to describe this movie is like like ocean like sunset like like late night ocean 
uh of like a movie it's just like uh it's just visually astonishing yeah um maggie like, chung maggie chung is actually absolutely gorgeous in the in this movie yes. like in a way that she looks young and mm, simple in in her earlier movies and then yeah. in this she looks like this really gorgeous put together woman like i don't know how to explain it it's just the hair the dresses it's it's all kind of different and like it's interesting seeing that transformation i think um yeah like there's i guess the, like the only way i can really answer your question is saying that there's like nothing that i don't like about this movie okay up to the ending where like they make the mutual decision to not act on this love that they're feeling for each other yeah uh because they like so deep in their hearts like are like do not want to be like their partners so i i i really like this movie too i just have a problem with like some of the plot like some of the plot mechanisms of like that the fact that we don't see their partners like they're barely characters Mm -hmm. which is a choice that some people maybe would really like but i feel like it kind of for me lessens the emotional impact like we see them a couple times but they're always shot from like behind they're like yeah deliberately excluded from the movie there's a lot of questions i have about like how this works and how like how this has all happened and i don't know something about the fact that they're having an affair with each other bothers me because it like I feel like it'd be more interesting if it was two people who found out that each of their spouses were just having an affair, having affairs. And it feels like this, I don't know. It feels like this weird, like it's like too perfect or something. I don't know how to describe it. And then it is just extremely frustrating. And I think that's part of it, but it's like extremely frustrating that they do not act upon this relationship. Mm -hmm. Like they have every reason to do so. Like why, like, like what is this? Maybe it's an American, maybe it's a cultural thing, but like, uh, like what is this like honor that they have to preserve by like being better than their spouses? Like you're spending no time with your spouses. Like, why is this? I don't know. It, it maybe because once again, I feel like because the spouses aren't present, it didn't like have the same emotional impact that I expected yeah. it to. Um, that's like, like waiting for something to happen, I guess, you know, to me, even in like in America, like when you do not act upon that, like you, still have like some weird right to be like i'm better than you because you did act upon this yeah yeah for sure um which is like probably true i mean yeah yeah i don't know i it's an awesome movie i just like i just there was something that i couldn't quite like once again like you said people talking about it as his masterpiece and i was i felt like i was missing something i felt like it might be I it might have been overhyped for you. This is it like is this is like Breaking Bad for me. Like it was too overhyped for me, and then I watched it, and I was like, I don't know, it was fine. And I like what's the what's the top movie you can think of that was overhyped for you? Oh boy, what's uh, up? Do you have one? Is it this I, movie? I was trying to think. I feel like I I do have one, but I can't think of what it is. I remember. Uh, I think like three billboards uh, overhyped itself for me from the beginning of the movie. I was like, this movie's the greatest movie of all time. And then the second, they're like the back, like two thirds of it. I was like, this movie's dumb. So you know what, you know what it might be that was like one of our bigger arguments is it might've been Phantom Thread, which I, upon like a couple of rewatches, I like a lot more than my first watch. 
because I was just so tired of like the the rhetoric the rhetoric around it. I was like, I'm so fucking annoyed with this movie already. My rhetoric or like more like a larger rhetoric. Everybody, just People everybody. Because I listen, like I mean, I just listened to so much shit about like movies and right and stuff. Like I was just so tired of hearing about like how amazing it was, and I was just like, oh my god, like it's whatever, it's fine. <laughs> um, so I I did like this movie more though i will say after i watched 2046 because mm-hmm. it is the sequel right and it yeah i really love 2046 and i think it you need the first part like you need to see him as this like this platonic relationship to then get the payoff of him as this total freaking playboy like it's kind of a monster He's kind of a monster. He's kind of amazing. Like total John Draper, right? Like he, yeah, is, yeah. he is Don Draper in this movie. He's um, like, like, I don't, maybe it's like the way he's acting. It's just other like, than he's the wealth. so, so suave and like, yeah, even more attractive in this movie somehow. Yeah. Um, the mustache, the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> he's just really slaying it. And like, it is like very Don Draper esque because he is a creative. He's an author mm-hmm. or a writer for like, he's a journalist for part of it and also an author um he is very he's an poor, author though. in 2040 he is he is he is shockingly poor like you think he's rich i, thought I know he was yeah. rich, and then it turns out he's just like yeah i lost all my money like there's all these there's all these moments in these movies like this isn't happy together too where there's a character who just like they're like working for months and they're like i'm trying to save up enough money to get back home and i'm like jesus christ like how much did well, a plane ticket cost from argentina to hong kong like and happy together it's explained because he said he talks about how he stole money from uh the guy that he was working for that his dad his dad got him a job and he stole money from the old man yeah and he was like i don't want to go back until i have enough money to repay him oh right right okay so i think he's like working for a plane ticket but also to be able to pay that guy back but uh and this one yeah you like he like this guy's working and seemingly living in a pretty cheap apartment you would just expect that he would have some money, but he's like, yeah, I'm broke as fuck, dude. Well, he goes back to the same hotel where um, where he and Maggie Chung got a room together and that she helped him write his stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and the room was 2046 that they did that in, and he tries to rent that room, um, but it's unavailable. So he gets the one next door, but then all the different women that cycle in and out of there are like the women that he kind of has relationships with throughout the film yeah it's Um, like it's a i don't know this movie's very it can be confusing uh at times because it's jumping back and forth between like these weird visions of like his his novel and like in like this train that takes place like to that takes people to the year 2046 where everything's the same but then it cuts back to like normal life yeah. where he's meeting all these women and you're kind of like cycling through these women and not really sure like who he's interested in or why. Right. Other than like the one main, like the kind of like, I think she's like a, a young prostitute or yeah, like call girl a, or something. She's not a prostitute. She's a dancer. Um, but she, what happens? Basically his friend from, in the mood for love, the bald guy shows up in town and does, uh, or shows up and it's just like, he's looking for, he's looking for a prostitute. And mm-hmm. 
um, he sets him up with this woman, but he goes to the wrong room. And it's that character, Bai Ling is her name. Um, the actress is Z, it's, her name's with a Z, 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 Z or something. Z, Z, I, don't have it, I don't have it written uh, down. But no, she, um, but then she becomes attached to him, right? But I, I mean, I think that like, that's the whole movie for me is, is their relationship because they do this cool thing where, she's resistant at first and then they start hanging out and spending time mm. together and then it becomes romantic and it becomes sexual and that first i think the first time that they sleep together she's like she's just having a good time they're having like an amazing night and then he leaves and he pays her he tries to pay her yeah and she's like whoa whoa like what are you doing like um and they have kind of this argument about it and she she like she's like he, he tries to pay her like 200 bucks or whatever and, he, and he's just like she's just like i don't like what are you talking about like you don't have to do that but then of course <laughs> she's like kind of getting hurt too because she's like oh she's realizing who he is and that he's yeah he is a he likes to keep his boundaries right like he doesn't yeah. want a relationship and so they settle on like ten dollars and it's like this cute playful thing like that she's play acting and then he leaves and she starts crying or or basically getting emotional about it and then you see this carry on with like the rest of the relationship and like obviously their rooms are next door like he's bringing other women in and like there's this moment where she's like she has this other guy that she's calling to like come over to try to make his character jealous and like in the middle of like she's on the phone with this guy and she sees tony just like carelessly bringing this other woman into this room and she's like never mind don't show up i don't care and like hangs up and it's like it's funny but it's also like i think really dramatic and touching and i don't know i i i really like that interplay and then also Faye wong shows back up she and does and this is the weird thing about this movie is that like so much of the movie like a big chunk of it revolves around her his relationship with this other woman and you kind of get attached to her and and then he just like randomly interacts with Fei Wong's character like a couple times and falls in love with her and you're like mm. wait what like why her yeah. like what's going on but once again i think like that's a cool part too is like it's like oh those two characters like they were they had this weird relationship in chunking look they're having like a weird relationship again mm -hmm. but it's it's parameters are totally different and yeah that's like that's like the cool thing about these ensembles of actors and and seeing them again and other things but um yeah i i really liked this one and um the one thing i will say is that this one i would love to see probably the most on the 4k restoration because it just looks like garbage like I don't yeah. know. I think it's probably just like a 2004 like digital video distribution thing, but you know we both watched this on Amazon and it's like I swear that it's squashed. Like it's like it's weird and it's also like old school CGI and some of it. Like the, uh, yeah, the normal well, scenes are fine. Um, the twin, yeah, the, it, the like sci-fi CGI is, is bad, but it that, did it's not 2004. You know, it did not look as nice as like as some of the other ones. It wasn't as visually pleasing, but it was still like beautiful, like mixed in with the score and stuff. The shots and everything were great, but it was just like a little bit more bland. Yeah. So when one of our fans buys Dalton or I, the Criterion box set that comes out <laughs> tomorrow. Or both of us. Or both buy, of us. Buy each, it for both of us. Yeah. Buy, buy 
buy it for each of us. Um, we'll revisit 2046 and see if it looks any better in 4K. I mean, I'm jazzed about it already. Let's uh, let's take one more quick break and then we will uh, get to our uh, power rankings. Cool. All right, uh, we're back, and uh, we're here to wrap up this pod with a with a pair of power rankings. Um, so first up, we're gonna do rankings of the films themselves. So I feel like I feel like I have a good idea after just like talking about them all, but mm-hmm. I'm still curious to see exactly where things rank. Um, so let me pull mine up and see what I see what I did earlier, um, and I'll start. We're gonna start with our number seven and go up to one. Um, so I think like you, my number seven was days of being wild. Same, Um, same. Yeah. Which feels weird because once again, I'm like, that was an awesome movie. Like, I, I don't know how I can say that's the worst. Um, I think that, so it it is also my number seven. And I think that if maybe if I rewatched it in a better state of mind, I probably would have it in a different place, but like, I just like, I can't right now. I can not really remember it. Yeah. 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 It, it was, it, I think it's, I think it just comes down to being like the most forgettable, like, mm-hmm. and it's interesting too, because it's like, it is, it is the movie that had the potential of sinking his career. It sounds like in the mm-hmm. sense of like, he had to start his own production company and finance films in different ways and, and everything. So, um, so yeah, days of days of being wild, my number seven, um, you know what, before actually, before we move on really quick, I just wanted to uh, bring up the 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 names of these movies in in uh, Cantonese because it's really funny. So Days of Being Wild is the story of Ah Fe, which I don't even is that a character in the movie? I don't even. <laughs> yeah, probably. I I I never. I do not remember the characters' names from these movies at all. Um, for some reason, Chunking Express is just Chunking Forest, like like why why is it two different nouns it's like um in the, the, mood- the express makes more sense because it's like midnight express is yeah, the I restaurant i don't understand maybe this is wrong i don't understand um in the mood for love kind of like the most beautiful times <laughs> and then um uh happy together is spring light piercing in which just feels like something that, that checks like, out actually i like that it's cool. It it feels like something that like maybe has a better ring to it in a different in a different language. Like, mm-hmm. um, anyways, oh and, and then uh, and the, actually the as tears go by one is interesting because it's called Mongkok. Sorry, Mongkok Carmen. Mongkok is the area that the film takes place in. It's like a rough mm-hmm. area of town, and Carmen is of course the opera, um, which oh. I don't I don't know the plot of very well but i don't know it at all either i i, I love like, the songs i love the I have, music i have a general idea because of hey arnold but that's about it there's also what is it it's um oh god it's carmen it's carmen they filmed it in the 60s i believe with um carmen santiago <laughs> carmen carmen santiago carmen san diego no carmen. um they filmed it 
they filmed it in the sixties with an all black cast and like it might have just been called Black Carmen. I don't remember. Um but I watched it, it's really cool, and they took all the songs from um Bazette, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh added their own lyrics. And I think Harry Belafonte might be in it. Um anyways, I watched that in college, it was really cool. I I will have to see what that is. But anyways, um I just really enjoyed seeing these like other translations because they they're kind of telling. So um my number six is happy together. Uh once again, like feels weird to rank it that low, but it's yeah. just, just I just had the other films higher. So So I think this is where we start to differ. My number six is twenty forty six. Okay. Um I it still did, think it, it didn't like, work for you. It's still well the thing is it still works. You didn't like the well. shitty CGI. But it just didn't work as well. And I think that it's about what, like thirty minutes longer than the rest of his movies. And yeah. I think that the yeah, charm. I think the charm started to wear off on me. I was like, "All right, this is going like way too long." Yeah, it's hard to you know watch the Snyder cut and then and then try to watch the CGI of of twenty forty six. Yeah. Um. Okay. No, I, I get that. I was I was conflicted. Um. My number five is as tears go by. Um. I had a hard time with this too because in some ways it's like kind of forgettable and it's kind of like a genre movie, but like, I actually think back on the relationships and a lot of the stuff that happened in this movie. And I really loved it. Like I, we haven't talked enough about him and maybe we will in the power rankings of the actors, but um, Jackie Chung as, as the brother in this movie, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it once again has that like amazing energy and he's, he's really cool in days of being wild as well as the friend who is like is like les you know leslie is a bit more of a playboy and yeah jackie is just kind of like in awe of him a little bit and just like he he ends up back behind with his like girlfriend mimi who he's like really into and uh he ends up like selling his car and giving her the money to go travel to the philippines to meet up with him and like that's a cool shot he just like He's like, here's the money, and he like leaves, and he's like kind of crying and just like disappears yeah. from the table. Um, I think he's just in those two movies, but he's really good in both of them, and I love their relationship. And as tears go by, like when he's giving him shit for like felt, smell or uh, selling the fish balls on the street, like, mm-hmm. and he's just like doing a shitty job. Like, yeah, he just, he just can't do anything right. Just he's just <laughs> helpless. Um, um, so yeah, that's my number five. My number five is Happy Together okay. uh, for some of the stuff that you said. And I also just like, I have a hard time seeing such like a, like a terrible relationship. Yeah. Like that's the only thing that took me a little bit out of this movie is I just was like, wanted to yell at the characters like, you guys should not be together. You're, right. You are literally killing each other. But you know, what's funny is like, there's something to be said in this movie for um, that they take this trip together. And then they're stuck in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. So like they do kind of rely on each other. Like I know what you mean about the toxicity, but they're far from home. They have a longing for home and like, they're kind of all that each other has. So I yeah. think that like, that's a big part of it too. You know, It is, but like I, like, I feel like in my head the whole time I was like, it was probably exactly like this before you took the trip and you were yeah, taking the yeah. trip to think it would like fix it. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we see get the out scenes, of the relationship, guys. We see the scenes of them trying to find the the Iguaza Falls and mm-hmm. uh, like just like struggling with a map. And 
<laughs> there was a couple times in <laughs> one of my like like a shitty a shitty comment but just kind of like a funny thought i had about in the mood for love was just like man people just really got very bored before the internet like <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's a hard time, man. <laughs> and it's the same. And it's the same thing I thought about uh, happy together. I'm like, man, you guys just need Google Maps, baby. <laughs> You'll get right there. <laughs> this whole like, relationship, relationship might have worked saved. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, my number four in the mood for love. I, uh, yeah, I, you know, I was like putting these rankings. I was like, I could put this lower or higher. Like, I feel like it should be higher, but at the end of the day, there's too many things that like just bothered me about it for some reason. Um, but also like watching 2046 and viewing them as a piece together, like, uh, helps me kind of like enjoy it a little bit more. And also just like, I, Tony, I mean, there's, there's so much working for it in this movie. And then that's, I started to think about it. I'm like, Oh, this should be higher. But like just Tony Long and Maggie Chung are amazing. Yeah. Um, the production design, the way it's shot, like, a lot of very unconventional shots at like stuff that you're taught in film school like the the rules that you can't break it just like breaks all of them um it's very curious from that perspective so um so yeah that's that's my number four cool my number four as tears go by uh love seeing love seeing a director start but um for me, the only thing that was like, I, I really enjoyed it. It's pretty movie. high, man. It's pretty high. Yeah. The only thing like hindering it is that like he didn't have time to like perfect it like some of the other films that I'm about to cont- like go on to naming. You know, we didn't talk about Andy Lau, the lead in that movie very much, but he, it's funny because I he's not really, in much else. No, he's not. He's, he has a brief role in Days of Being Wild. And then I think that's it. Um, other than I think every one of these actors is in Ashes of Time. Mm-hmm. i think um but it's funny because i was like oh man like what a handsome lead he's really awesome in this role like he's great and then like and then i just kind of forgot about him as i started watching the other movies and got introduced to leslie chung and tony lung i was just like oh yeah whatever like andy lau like i don't even i don't need him like you know what i mean he does well the th- i think that the thing that hurt him was that he does he's very handsome but he does have that like action star type of handsome yeah he doesn't have like the relatable tony lung handsome that that works in so many of these other roles and i don't think he's a very good actor like compared to the others probably not as good (laughs) still very fine but in this movie i was doing a lot of shazamming uh which i never thought of doing in movies before but like Mm -hmm. that's great like why i've uh why have i never shazammed it during a film before probably because i'm so used to watching movies in theaters and i'm like rewiring my whole brain for the the home viewing experience um but one of the songs uh is sung by andy lau it's like a oh really i I forget what it was but uh one of the songs in there is uh is him singing it like just as a as a separate like it's not like him like it's not like yentl it's not like uh like a musical like yeah but he's, it's just like it's just like it's just pop star in. pop star andy lau's song in the film stars andy lau's movie basically yeah um yeah he does i mean he is he is good in this movie it's just like i don't know i think like when you have some of the perform like the other performances that are in the in the other movies like it's just like even like a very good performance gets overshadowed it's hard to it's hard to not yeah yeah definitely um 
uh, where are we at? Three. My, number my three. Num- my number three. Okay, my number three is Fallen Angels. Same. Uh yeah. I I really liked it. I it's so funny because I like when I look when I try to point pinpoint individual things, I'm like, I don't have as much to talk about, but like I just really loved the energy of this movie. Um the way it was shot, all the all the characters. It's funny because this one doesn't have it. This one doesn't have like all the same notable actors necessarily, other than um, Takeshi. Uh, but it just works really well. Like it, it's just fun. The scenes kind of run into, you know, one after the other, and it once again just has that feeling of like young people fucking around in the big city. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, the, really, the only thing interspersed with like very violent scenes of just this hitman like mowing 20 people down yeah in a in a gambling parlor the only thing i have to add on to yours is just for me it's just my love of noir style filmmaking um that's what really drove me to it yeah um number two for me uh 2046 this is shocking to me too high no i mean it's your it's your list man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like that's whatever so, you feel i just I, like from what i heard second i wanted to i wanted to knock it down because of the uh qual the picture quality again like i was like it looks kind of ugly i shouldn't reward it this highly like i was like did he film this like I, I in my head i was like okay it's 2004 this dude is like a seasoned filmmaker a lot of people like started switching to digital at the time. Like, did he switch to like some shitty like digital camera that he didn't know what he was doing? But then, but then I'm like, I think it's just the, I think it's just the, um, the distribution. Like, I don't think it's his fault. I'm sure it looks mm-hmm. better somewhere in some version or something like that. Um, and then the CGI is pretty bad. Uh, you were, it, we didn't even call it CGI in 2004. No, we just was... called it like VFX or like yeah, <laughs> like effects. We just effects. called it effects. special effects, special <laughs> special effects. effects. That's what it was. Yeah. Do we still call, we the Oscars calls it visual effects now, right? Yeah. It's like we don't really say special effects anymore. I think I still like catch myself <laughs> saying special effects sometimes. I'm, you know, I I speak the industry terms. With you the, you know with more the... terms than me. I don't know the terms, man. But uh, uh, no, I just like, I guess the story was more lacking for me in this one. Like yeah. it was still great, but it was just like, I don't you know. Didn't it just didn't... A, you didn't have like a carryover attachment to his character? Like I did, but it didn't feel like a good follow-up. I think Where that did I you would've... rank this? Number six? Yeah. Okay. I think that I would have liked it more if he had just like ended up falling for, I don't remember her name, but the girl who was the star of the Grandmaster. Bay Ling. No. No, yeah, that's the character's name. Bai Bai Ling. No, the one that starts with an X. Yeah, uh, Z. Z. Yeah, that's her. That's her. That's her name. Oh, movie. like her character name. Yeah. I thought you were saying the actor's name. No, it's like Zhi Zhang or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I would have liked it more if it was more. Tr- like it was, it was kind of the same as his other films. I think I got attached to like the way he he makes films, but it was like. He was so ruthless in this movie yeah. that it made me go like, I was like, ah, fuck, dude, this guy's mean. Her name is Zi Zhang, and her mm-hmm. character's name is Bai Ling. Okay, so I think I would have liked it more if he would have ended up going back to her, but like, 
even when you think he's gonna go back to her he like goes to and like falls for this chick that gambles professionally like doesn't doesn't she show back up and she's she has like a solid partner that's actually taking care of her doesn't that happen no she just has like a like an old guy that she had sex with and he gave her a lot of money Oh yeah, and she tries to give it back to him, and he's like, "It's yeah. fine. I'll take." And he's it like, "He's like, no, I'll just keep being poor." And then she's like, she tries to get him to stay, and then he leaves. Yeah. So your problem with this movie is the problem I had with In the Mood for Love, where it's like, why don't you just go about the relationship, right? Like, why don't you just see it through? But, but- In the Mood for Love makes a lot more sense for that. See, I feel like it makes sense more sense after he has had is is more jaded, right? Like after he has had all these more experiences and he's more like comfortable in who he is. But what we need is like the next part where he's like We need a fourth. We need a fourth movie. We do, we do. Because like <laughs> we need to see him like in his like fifties or something. And he's like really sad and alone. And like somebody comes, we might get it. You know, one thing I wrote about this movie, um, is that sometimes there's these people who just, they, they come along and they, they say, I'm the woman who's going to, who's going to fix this man. (laughs) I'm going to change him. And it's just like, no, just like, yeah, I've met many of those. (laughs) (laughs) i i'm the one i'm going to i'm going to save him i'm gonna fix this man and that's definitely what byling does in this movie you're not gonna do it you know what's interesting too is that wong kar wai is um a happily married man of like 40 some years and and that's just like when you look at these movies you would think that maybe he would be, uh, he would have tumultuous relationships, but. Well, I think that's where his family dynamics come into it because yeah. he's like projecting this longing for family into mm-hmm. a different type of relationship a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it probably, it probably made like, honestly, the stuff that happened with his family probably made him very hard person to date for his now wife. It kind of, it, it kind of sounds like they have an extremely sweet, relationship Um, that's good yeah she uh there's a little anecdote i read about her watching his films when they come out and she'll like there was there was an anecdote about her bringing her parents and then she had to go sit in a part of the theater by herself because she's like it's just too personal and then she'll like come back it's like this is like this is the malcolm and marie thing where it's Mm -hmm. what really happens between like a filmmaker and their partner right yeah and she was like she's like that was me right like that like She's like, what you did with that character? Like, that was me. Like, that that was part of me. And he's like, he's like, yes, I put like aspects of my wife into all of my female characters and my mother. And like, <laughs> just, I, one thing I love about like reading these interviews with him is that he's like s- seemingly very open about talking mm-hmm. about his, you know, like it annoys me when you have the filmmakers who are so like, I don't know, what do you, what do you think it means? Like, yeah, so like private, like don't like, want to talk get, about like, your decisions. It's yeah. Like, why would you not? I don't know. Okay, um, tw- number two for you. You didn't wait, this give this. Me... Wait, I, wait I, was, I, I told you. Oh, 2046 was your number. Yeah. Okay, so, so... For you, wait, wait. So for you, we have left In the Mood for Love and Chunking. Mm-hmm. Just to set the scene. 
So I, I have no idea which movie you decided to rank. So this is where personal preference comes into like comes above Over objectivity. objectivity? Okay. Yeah. Uh, my number two is In the Mood for Love. Okay. I do think it's his best movie, but it's not my favorite. So I have it number two. And we I both do... have Chunking as number one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Chunking, I think that like, I think there's just like a nostalgia to it. Like, even though I just saw this movie recently, I'm kind of like simultaneously thankful and not thankful that I didn't see it at a younger age. Cause I think that like if young twenties yeah. me would have latched onto this movie in Too like much? the the worst way. Like I think I would have like the angstiest, like just would have been like, oh, this movie is everything. <laughs> Uh, kind I, of in a uh, similar way to I think the, the way that I think a lot of young twenties people latch onto like Lost in Translation as their like mm. their movie poster in their bed in their like dorm room type of thing, you know, <laughs> uh, which isn't a bad thing. It's just like it's just they, these movies just evoke an like a type of emotion in like a younger person that you can really like, hold on to for a while. Yeah, um, this movie just feels like being young i don't know how to explain it mm-hmm. the all the instances of her playing california dreaming um the scene with dreams that song like you were mentioning while, while she's cleaning up like yeah something about it feels very just like eternal to me i don't know it's uh it's it's hilarious it's beautiful it's extremely fun and Fei wong is just so good in it so, so good and i like... think this is like really the first we see other than he so he's like weirdly at the end of days of being wild which mm-hmm. was confusing but this is like really the first we see of tony long in in these movies yeah he really and you really get to see a lot of him and you see like how truly talented and like amazing he is yeah and it's just uh yeah even like it feels like even now like like a perfect movie for me right now like i just like relate to so much of it because i think that these like I think that Faye striking up conversations at a yeah night snack bar. I think that Faye Wong's character is probably in her like younger twenties, but yeah. Tony Lung's character is like a like a mid to late twenties guy. Um, and so that's just what like, you're looking for is a mysterious woman to come break into your apartment and clean it. For honestly, you. it would be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> break in and just like start replacing shit, but with like similar stuff. <laughs> But yeah, I, Ch- you know, Chunking Express was... number one. It's the first movie yeah. that anybody should watch when they're diving into his stuff. Like you shouldn't. I don't think you should go in order. I think you start with Chunking and then you work your way through. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah, I really gravitated towards it as well. I, um, it's interesting too because the apartment is like, I thought they were like in an airport or a mall because obviously there's the flight attendant thing with mm-hmm. his, with his ex and there's like an escalator right outside of it. And it turns out that's kind of this like landmark in Hong Kong is this like outdoor escalator. So that's like a window right to the outside. Yeah. And, you know, there's all those like, there's those scenes of like Fei Wong with like her bowl of noodles, like on the, on that escalator, <laughs> like peering in and shit. Just like, just like looking like a cat. Like, what are yeah. you doing? Um, okay, cool. So that's funny. We, so we have the same, uh, we had pretty similar. We had the same. Pretty similar. Last. With really this, with like really 20, in the mood for love 2046 we have that's this, like our flip-flop like the 
the two the two that are most tied together we were we're opposite on yeah yeah and they 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 represent i don't know i i'm not gonna i i i think i'm we're, i think i'm done over analyzing it but um <laughs> So, okay, so let's talk about the actors then. I mean, yeah. as if we haven't talked about them, but we're doing actor power rankings. So this could be anybody from these movies, right? Mm. Like they don't have to be like, it, it, they don't need to be in like a ton of the movies. It could be a single performance. Um, I didn't really give any parameters, but you suggested we do top five, which is probably a good idea. So we don't just rank like 20 people. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first for this one? Do you want to start with your number five? Sure. I'll start with my number five. And I'm gonna okay. like I'm gonna do my best to pronounce everything correctly. Um we got you got it. But my my number five is Mon Lai Chan. And he is the dad in Fallen Angels, but oh, he also appears nice. in In the Mood for Love. And he's just like, I don't know, like the 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 father son thing in fallen angels just really like it worked for me it hit Ooh. with me and he was like so he's yeah. he's bald and he plays like i think it's the character's name is mr chow in in the mood for love no mr chow is uh is tony lung's character or er, it's i don't know you're gonna have to look it up but like okay. he, what's the what's the actor's name man lee chan yeah hayes v's father and then he's also in the mood for love as Mr. Koo. Mr. Koo, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's really all about fallen angels. Like he's just so so good in that, and I just really like seeing him like bond with his son in weird ways and like playfully get videotaped while he's trying to like cook or take a poop. <laughs> it's oh just yeah. So funny. Yeah, he's great. I uh, I'm trying to find a photo of him from In the Mood for Love because I don't. I don't quite remember him there. Um, you know, I'm DB. I, I need something where I can just like search for the actor in the movie. I guess Google works for that, but like it's sometimes it just is too difficult. Like mm. I need, sometimes I need the visualization of the actor in the specific movie and IMDb just doesn't always have the photos of the character. It doesn't. It, well, you have to like really look through the photos. I try to do that a lot too. Okay. Uh, my number five actor is uh, Takeshi Kaneshiro, the the uh, half uh, half Japanese, half Chinese actor um, who appears in those two films, right? Fallen Angels and mm-hmm. um, in Chunking. Yeah. Um, he's yeah, he's great. He's got he's got an awesome. Like once again, I love all the sort of like play acting sadness, and as well as just everything that he does, like he's so silent in fallen angels like when he's like forcing people to do stuff he's just like just like psychopath yeah <laughs> um, and then he's, he's also got like this sweet voiceover going on but then once again like when he runs into the when he starts hanging out with the other girl and i don't remember what her name is but like when they start hanging out together it's like they're like it clicks like he's found somebody like him and he doesn't have to like be weird by himself anymore and yeah. they just like kind of have a great time. Like that scene in the McDonald's is so funny. Like we start with the camera with her and she like just sees him across and like weasels her way over and sits down. And, and she's like, do you mind if I sit here? And he kind of like looks around the restaurant and like the camera follows and there's nobody else in there. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> she just like follows him around. But I, I really like his, once again, like he's not in, he's not in as many movies as these other 
people or or even like the roles feel as prominent but i i just love what he does so yeah all right my number four is maggie chung mm. who i believe we is all know in maggie chung days of being wild and in the mood for love and that's it and, right and well oh mm. and as tears go by she's the She's oh the, yes yeah she's the oh yes love yeah. interest and she yeah the she's cousin the, the cousin she's the from lantau island um she's great she, i mean i don't have a ton to to say about it she just is a marvelous actor and uh like kills it in these roles is like really good at playing kind of like i don't know like a, like she's a, got this, sad, like, like a sadder character like yeah very yeah. like reserved and and like quiet but also i don't i yeah I she's don't not know. given like a lot of showy moments but she like does no. a lot with like she says a lot without saying a lot sort of yeah like you can feel like, everything she's feeling but she doesn't do a lot yeah, yeah. and and like i was kind of mentioning before too like you feel her sort of like presence and power increasing as the movie she she's in like go on you know mm. yeah i would have I, I it would have been cool maybe maybe part three it would have been cool if she showed up more prominently in 2046, right? If they had like a final sort of like Casablanca, yeah, like on the on the airport runway, like goodbye or something like that. Some sort of like closure. Yeah, she is barely in it at all. She's like in like a flashback, basically. So my number four is Leslie Chung. Um, nice. Who we, who we know from several of these films. Um, he's got such a like cool attitude about him. Um, he's always in control. Like even when he's being a little shithead and happy together, like he just kind of owns the scene. Um, he's in, he's in several of these, right? He's in, he's the main character. Once again, he's kind of the same character in, in, uh, days of being wild. Mm -hmm. Um, and then is he just in those two? No, he's in, uh, uh, happy together. Well, happy together in days of being wild. Is that it? out of these I think seven, so, yeah out of these seven yeah well he's pretty good in them so <laughs> so yeah that's my that's my number four is leslie he's uh i i really like his i really like his roles and what he does with them okay uh my number three is takashi kinashiro okay uh don't have to say much else he just yeah. like those those two movies he is truly amazing like the like this like weird like crazy energy he brings to both roles is so fun and like he is overacting in the very best way in both of them and, and i just i love it it's so funny i i only spoke so much about him because i thought i i didn't expect him to be there i thought when i put him as my number five i thought that was like oh like an out there pick oh no no i like i <laughs> i like almost had him as my number two but i <laughs> i changed it uh my number three is maggie chung um we talked about her already but mm -hmm. yeah she's great um yeah maggie chung what's your number two number two fei wong mm -hmm. just Me too. yeah i think I, I think our twos and our two and one are probably the same but i wanted to put fei wong at number one but tony's was... just tony's just in too many movies yeah it's almost impossible like they're just like and he's just he's just perfect he's yeah he's just so so good but fei wong is amazing like she's like nearly a perfect character in chungking express where like 
she's so complicated and weird but you still like don't have like a single ill feeling towards her like even when she's doing deplorable things like breaking into somebody's apartment yeah you're just like no this makes sense like she should be doing this <laughs> whatever she wants to do makes sense you know uh Wong Kar Wai was talking about Hong Kong and it being obviously extremely densely populated in that um this idea of like people treat the outdoors like treat the streets as their living room because like why would you sit in your cramped apartment when you can go outside or whatever um and I was kind of thinking about that too in relation to like her cleaning up this apartment like just having another space to be you know yeah having a place to take care of like playing house pretend you know Mm. that that I kind of like felt a little bit of that too in there but like I think what's so funny about like her performance and what she does is like she always puts on those gloves right like she's got the yeah (laughs) big gloves and she's like fully like in like housekeeper mode like it's so funny it's like why are you doing this um yeah Yeah. and then and then Tony Tony Lung's number one he's like I mean he's in the most movies he is in the most starring roles and he's just like amazing in every role that he plays. Like if I think like his true, like, I, don't, I mean, I guess like each one of them is in, in a different way is like a whole, a whole different performance, but you really see it in happy together and in the mood for love, which are two pretty separate roles, but just like how different of people he can play seemingly so mm-hmm. effortlessly. And um, he's a huge deal in Hong Kong. He's won a ton of awards, but one cool thing, um, getting back to like Marvel snagging up great actors, he's going to be in the new Shang-Chi movie. He's going to play... What's Shang-Chi? Um, I don't know that. Shang-Chi... Um, I don't know. Like a, is that like a character from the Marvel comics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. it'll be like one of the new... It'll be one of the new first movies in the newest phase. But he's playing like the main villain in the Shang-Chi movie okay i was, I was gonna say he's probably too he's probably too old to play like the leading sort of like, no superhero. no he's not the lead he's not the lead he's playing he's playing the main villain i forget what his name is um but well, i don't know i don't know a ton about the shang chi comics i've only read one but uh i'm very excited for him to be in like a mainstream american movie yeah i mean that sounds like a marvel movie that i'm gonna watch then yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I once again, there's like it's so weird because these movies aren't that old, but like they do coming out in this box set. Once again, the the career retrospective idea, like they do have this like crystalline quality to them of like preserved in the past, and it's like yeah, it's just like weird to even think about like oh, like yeah, Wong Kar Wai is coming out with a new movie, or like yeah, we're gonna see we're gonna see Tony in something, but um you know that that's great once again i think it's like they are mostly regional stars like the average the average american that you would talk to like including myself you know eight months ago or whatever would would not know any of these names so yeah you know but yeah that that's awesome that's that's cool that uh he's got that big franchise role coming up got that franchise role coming ah cool well i you know i think we've covered about everything I think um, we, we've had a lot. It's a, we've been chatting for a while. I, uh, thank you for, thank you for proposing this idea. It was really fun to dive into like a full filmography. Um, it was a lot of, is by far the most, uh, work and research I've put into one of these pods. So, um, Hey, that's awesome. I thank you for doing, it. I'm just like, 
pod or not, I'm just happy that I had something, somebody to, to like discuss all these movies with because I was going like crazy having no one to talk about it with. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's like the, I don't know if you do letterbox, but like the, you just like, you try to like read reviews on there and everybody's mm-hmm. just like being like a film. Like I like to log movies on there, but like, yeah. The people I don't have a letterbox. These... Should I, should I get one? I mean, I think it'd be fun because we could see what each other's watching, you know, but okay i'll I'll look into it rod's pretty active as well cool um that's about it so basically just me and rod watching what each other watch (laughs) all right okay you know what Um, i'll make one i'm in the only thing i will caution you against is um i don't know just sometimes ranking the movies can suck the joy a little bit you know i could see that yeah but I it's also, do the, it's kind of like nice na- to like, it's kind of nice to like categorize things, but yeah, I'm a pretty natural ranker. So I, I think that it would like, it wouldn't affect me too much. Like you, like if I, if I like give you a movie, you wouldn't be, you would, you'd be like, oh yeah, I don't have a problem with giving that. Like, I like you, in your head already, you have like, yeah, like yeah, a five star so. ranking or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's like, that's that's one version of the film community the other version is bringing people on this podcast to to talk about criterion movies and sometimes other movies that we just want to shoehorn in there so (laughs) um but this one definitely fits the bill and you know for people listening four of these movies i think are on criterion channel streaming right Mm now um Um, one's on amazon one is on hbo max two are what's hbo on, the, uh, the in the um, mood for love is on hbo oh, max okay yeah that makes sense um yeah two of them we watched through the music box theater i don't know yeah i don't think they're, they're like un, they're unfindable anywhere else but the rest are, the rest you can find and you should you should seek out mm-hmm. yes and we'll we'll uh we'll have to expand and watch the the other three too at some point yeah I'm 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 not looking forward to this blueberry movie, but I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll always I'll I like always, Jude Law. I'll always give Jude Law a chance. I will always give. I was gonna say the same thing. I'll always give Jude Law a chance. Ah, uh, great. All right. Well, thank you, Dalton. Uh, we will we will talk soon. And thanks for diving into these films with me. Thank you, man. Yeah.